there was the the JK Rowling kind of scandal because she she was sort of making the argument that how many women transition to becoming men because they are so unhappy at being a woman in today's society. Yeah, and I really feel for her when she said that because I truly believe um there was a TED talk and I always say this but it's mm. called teach girls bravery not perfection because girls are not socialized to be brave. You tell girls all the time before they go out of their house to be careful to not make eye contact and I am one of those people like the only movie my dad made me watch is Taken <laughs> to understand <laughs> no, the No, the reason why he did that was to show you that whatever happens to you he will come and he will find <laughs> you. He will he has a specific yeah. set of skills and he knows how to yeah, use them. Yeah, and today he is vaccinated, guys. <laughs> He will come after you. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't thought to be brave. Right, right, right. right. And I wish I was because mm. maybe I wouldn't be such a people pleaser. And it's your boy Roshan Gomez. You are listening to another episode of the Rumah Roy podcast. Special guest in the house. Um, friends or followers of this podcast will know that we have found our arch nemesis in the Seek to Speak uh, podcast. But I'm special. <laughs> I have personally uh, attacked their hosts. Shots have been fired. I have dragged her name through the mud, launched ad hominem attacks on her. I've done whatever I can to destroy her reputation and she's here today to defend herself, to protect her good name. Uh, we and welcome reputation. We welcome to the house the always incandescent Miss Ain Aisa. Hi, um, I want to say it's great to be on the show, <laughs> but I felt like I needed to be on the show to clear my name out of all the horrible, horrible things that I've done upon you that I have no clue about. <laughs> the last um, three episodes consecutively, I think I've attacked you. I mean, if you wanted my attention, you could just say <laughs> yeah. it. This was just an elaborate <laughs> way to get your attention for you to come on the podcast. How are you, lah? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, aside from the last few episodes. <laughs> It's funny because the first one I actually sent you like a heads up. I was like, you should, you will want to check this out. By the way, heads up isn't really. Hey, I kind of like threw your good name. It's more of like, hey, listen to this episode. You were mentioned in the first ten minutes. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I played it. I was like, oh, okay. But granted, okay lah. That one was a bit was deserving. A bit nice, yeah. Okay. The second one I didn't even tell you. Um, like. That you were mentioned. Yeah. But you kind of heard it anyway. Yeah, I found out the hard way. Yeah, by listening. And that one was funny because we didn't only mention you in the beginning. We mentioned you also in the middle. Yeah, so I had to listen to the end to just see you. <laughs> to, to to make sure you said anything else to your wonderful followers. I'm really nice. I am nice. Kelvin is right. I am <laughs> If people, like I think... Um, Christian, my brother's uh, girlfriend, like you know, also listens to your podcast, and a lot of people do lah. So whenever uh, the occasion comes for me to talk about you, like people, are like, oh, I know Aisa, then I'm like, oh, she's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> she's the worst. Trust me. Like really, I thought she was nice. No, believe me, she's a racist. <laughs> <gasps> oh no, that's why would you say that? Okay. Uh, is it because I'm a woman and you're a male? So you feel like this is a good opportunity to oppress. Oh, no. Yeah, I just went there. 
That's horrible. That's horrible. So what is the beef that you have against me, actually? Come on. Maybe like, I'm just on. jealous. Maybe I'm just Why jealous. are you jealous? What the You're hell doing so would well. you? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing well. Are you kidding me? You are doing so well. If I told you the stats of my listens, yeah. you, which is very low, by yeah. the way, yeah. um, you will not envy me. But I think like, okay, from the last time we spoke, um, when you began, it was just um, a public speaking podcast. Right. You when we last spoke, you just finished your first season. Your second season, you you came back quite different actually. Right. You you pivoted. Like your episodes were more segmented, right? Yeah. You launched uh, a type of like sub-series, which is your um speaking, speaking snacks, snacks, right? Uh you launched Women with Words, so you're building a community. You're doing like all these different things, and they just fit so well with the team of your podcast, right? The niche. And I just think you're going to go really, really far. Like genuinely, I really think that. Is that a real compliment? 100%. Or is that like 100%. A... So because of that, <laughs> I feel like I need to destroy you before you become too powerful. No, oh my gosh. You know what? The difference between you and me is that you've got it figured out from the beginning. Mm. You've already got a good format. It works for you. It achieves your aims. Mm. There's really no need to change. And the people that listen to you are expect that they yeah. expect real conversations so yeah. for me i needed to experiment in order to better achieve my aims because honestly i was not doing that um enough i felt so, so there's no reason to be jealous i should be jealous of you so you're saying i shouldn't destroy you yes they basically that's what i'm saying basically <laughs> stop, stop telling everybody in every single episode to people that i know that i'm actually evil and that they are forced to like me <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing about podcasting. I think one of the big things you have to deal with is that I think all of us come into it thinking like, okay, we're going to get this number of listeners or followers. Then you start and you realize, oh, damn, it's not that easy. And yeah. you hear stories of people like going two, three years with maybe 50 people listening at one time. Mm. And that's not necessarily bad. But I guess when we watch YouTube videos, we see like 50,000 yeah, people. Yeah, and like, like, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, you watch YouTube videos and like, oh, uh, 35,000 views. That's not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so low. Yeah, it needs to be in the millions Even to be impressed. Even a thousand, you're like, oh, kasiannya. <laughs> yeah. But if you get an episode, a thousand, you're like, yeah, I'm viral. <laughs> I'm famous. Yes. Mom. I can start charging for ads. <laughs> where, where are the advertisers? <laughs> yeah, but it, that's the thing, right? And then you realize that, oh, it's not, that not that easy la. It's, it's, it's quite difficult and then I think we've spoken about this before you have to sort of reassess what, what are your goals because mm. I guess it applies to anything in life la. you have to like figure out okay what is the real sort of tenable uh, objectives you want to accomplish I think it, that's how Women With Words came about mm. as well because I felt like not to say that I wasn't reaching enough people mm. but the reason why I did it because I wanted to have community and I wanted a place for people to test out their public speaking mm. um, skills. So Women With Words was born out of that because I felt like I wasn't connecting with enough people on my podcast. Mm. So And I thought that I relate a lot better with women. And I find that a lot of my public speaking class, um, the girls in my class had more trouble. Or even if they had really smart things to say, they really hesitate in comparison to the mm. guys. So, and then I realized there isn't a female speaking club in Malaysia. The closest that you can get is like a Toastmasters club. And that's mm. quite, um, a lot of people find it quite daunting. Yeah. Because you got a... Uh, got an um counter yeah. you got a grammarian <laughs> someone right. will you know assess all of those things but I kind of didn't want that I just wanted a place where 
what we are we're doing right now. Yeah, a place where we can have conversations without judgment. I think a lot of the public speaking platforms are quite competitive, and uh, again, just to generalize, but maybe with men in particular, that competition is uh, a driving factor, right? Like men like to, in general, like to compete, like to fight, uh, like to become like the alpha dog of a male. Of course, that's true for women as well. But maybe generally, uh, women uh, communicate in a different way. Mm. Um, it could be biological or it could be sociological, right? Uh, like my, like the way my dad speaks and the way my mom speaks completely different. Yeah. And I grew up with my listening to my mom being on the phone and talking to all her different sisters, <laughs> at sometimes multiple sisters throughout the day right and it it's like a kind of network they sort of build yeah and it's like interesting how even information passes in that network right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so like people like five six layers removed can get a message right and it's a not a hostile or competitive uh, way of speaking it's a more um intimate and conversational. Yeah, but unfortunately, the people that get spotlight isn't the ones who are having intimate conversations. I remember we had a discussion. There was a fact. Um, there was a company, a software company called Bizabo. They analyzed, I think, about 20,000 different companies uh, across a lot of countries. And they found that 70% of keynote speakers from those companies and from those events were male. Mm. So you're looking at almost uh, almost double the mm. amount of male speakers in comparison to women. And mm. then we were having a discussion of why this happens. And it's just that usually if you think about it, keynote speakers are people in leadership, mm. like uh, somebody in charge of a company or an institution. So I think it trickles down when you don't have enough female leaders in, in institutions and companies then you don't have enough female speakers and if you don't see enough role models and female speakers mm. then you as a little girl will find your, it harder to emulate right. now, I think role models are really important I have a controversial sort of perspective on this Okay, but I think my perspective is important and I think it will be helpful okay. for all women Okay, and I really mean this sincerely I think that personalities are distributed in a particular way. And then I think that there are some personality traits that are more dominant with men and some with women. Could be biological, could be sociological, right? Um, and I think it's important we recognize that because then we can sort of uh, tailor our approaches differently, right? Like, um, and I'm, there are a lot of, in general, men and women are the same. In okay. general, right? But you can see them, especially in the most extreme stuff. Like, for example, if you see who are the most uh, violent people in the world, okay. they are going to be men, right? At the most extreme, it becomes men and women are violent. But when you go to the most extreme of the most violent people in the world, they're going to be men. So in that way, the, the numbers kind of shift. And so there's one, um, there is one uh, uh, personality type, agreeableness, which means basically you if you go into the negotiation room you always look at the other person's perspective mm. right you don't go in to get a hundred percent you go in with a more equitable approach 50 50 and i think that the research shows that women have this personality trait in spades and this is i'm speaking as a person who is also very agreeable i have generally what you would call feminine uh, uh, uh traits meaning it's more prominent with uh with women right and so, um, because of that, the reason I think it's important to recognize is because 
we also need to start talking to people with agreeable personalities and we have to start telling them you need to be more decisive you need to be more selfish you know you need to be uh you need to go in and do what's best for you so i have a controversial sure. response to that go for it okay so the problem with that is that because we associate personality traits to gender mm. we expect women to be kinder to be agreeable mm. and you're absolutely right when they want to be self um when we ask them to be selfish they are seen negatively so i'm going to give you a really um uh relevant example. Hmm. So I don't know if you know Sheryl Sandberg, uh, hmm. the CEO of Facebook. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so she had a talk and apparently there's this study what they did was in this university, they took two papers done by exactly the same paper, but one is named Howard and one is named Heidi. Hmm. All right? I think it's Heidi. <laughs> but basically one male name, one female name. Sure. So while every all the students agree that they're both good papers, they only wanted to work with Howard. They didn't mm. want to work with Heidi. Mm. Why? And this is a lot of the times ambition is seen as a bad word for women mm. because the same traits that make a man a good leader mm. is seen negatively in a woman. So let's say you ask women to be less kind, more selfish, more persistent, more adamant. People actually view her negatively. Oh, she's too aggressive. She's too whiny. She's mm. like, but in a man, they're like, oh yeah, that's leadership material. Mm. So unfortunately, because of that personality trait, even if you ask a woman to lean in, mm. to fight for her rights, when she does so, yeah. she is not rewarded. Yeah. She is um, seen as competitive. She is seen as just basically in a negative way. But that's the thing that. That's why I feel like there isn't one solution in particular. Mm. So yes, we need to change the um the expectations we have for women, and that's at a societal level. But the individual, women themselves, the individual also has a role to play. Like it's not only enough for us to say we need to be able to hear women out. And I'm not saying that women don't speak out, but we need to empower women to also be brave in speaking out. Yeah, and being selfish and saying that I want this for myself and I. I I think that this is a great idea. I think like sometimes a simple example is how we always make women secretaries. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great example. Women should speak out. Should say no. I I I I don't like to do secretarial work. But what you find is because a lot of women are agreeable, they want to make <laughs> they because even I'm like this, you know. Like I would rather let's say we would do a podcast. and i you didn't enjoy the podcast hmm. as my guest but i got like a big uh i got a lot of traction from it i would be up, i wouldn't like it you know because i want you to have a good experience as well and i feel like with people who are agreeable we need to learn how to do things for yourself and not not oh no. my god i totally agree with you because what was it called a pacifist yeah. you don't like you don't like conflict. Conf- conflict you don't like confrontation and you generally want feel happy when other people are happy. I feel that way and I feel guilty so easily. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um uh, this is inculcated by my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um but to me it's I, Sorry, can I give you another example? This yeah. recently happened to me and this is why I, again I've been thinking about it. I had I don't want to give too many details but I'm basically on not on talking terms with someone. Mm. And I'm a you know I'm I'm a nice guy in order to commerce. and so i have a lot of friends but this guy has a bit of an attitude problem right and 
he over like it was really something very very small. I didn't say anything offensive. I not didn't, like me. <laughs> then, no, definitely not an Ain Aisa type. <laughs> no, as in like said offensive things about me, like you. Yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like no, I didn't say anything bad. I didn't. Um, we didn't fight. We didn't scold. I didn't scold him. Nothing like that. But he just stopped talking to me, right? And in fact, I feel like this is really something on him. He made the mistake here. He's being very immature. And in fact, I've helped this guy many times in the past. So he's just throwing. Basically, he's throwing a tantrum, and he stopped talking to me completely. I had to stop myself from making, from going and trying to make amends with him. It is really, it's so weird, you know. It, it has affected me, and I've been so, I've been thinking about it so deeply because, I dream about this guy. I've dreamt about him because of this. It's on your mind. Yeah, because of this tension that we are having, and even though I know it's not my fault, I didn't do anything wrong. I have this desire to go and make amends with him. Oh my god! And so I have to tell myself, like, and I'm, people will be like, oh, Roshan thinks he's damn good, like damn nice person. No. It's not a good thing. Because it bothers you. Yeah, it's not a good thing. And it's almost patho- pathological. You want, you have this innate desire to be liked by everyone all the time. How is that a good thing? You know, it's fake what, in the end of the day. Yeah, but it's something that you do to live with yourself. Mm. I feel like you're going after my heart because recently I had a fallout with my friend as well. Mm. And to be honest, I have no idea why. Mm. And I've reached out to her. Right. I've texted her and I just felt really stupid after because you can see the text there. Yep. You've put out an olive branch and she's not responding. And yep. I know I didn't do anything wrong. In fact, if people ask me, I honestly don't know what's wrong. Yep. And even if I did something wrong, it'll be, you know, tell me about it. Exactly. And, this, and I've been friends with this person for so long and honestly, it bothers me so much. Yeah. Like, I get triggered by her on my Instagram or anything. I have to turn off my Instagram and not think about it because when I'm in the car and I think about it, I get angry, I get upset. Mm. So I, on one hand, it's like, yeah, alright, it's better to be like the person that doesn't reach out because, you know, you don't want to be too agreeable. You, want to, you don't want to be a pushover, right? Yeah. But can you live with yourself, you know, if you didn't try as hard as possible to mm. um, fix the friendship? I don't know, it's such a difficult thing. We're still not friends. We're not, we're not on talking terms. So I, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, so like for me, I set the rule that I'm not going to reach out to this guy. If Honestly, if this... But you've reached out already, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I haven't, okay, okay, I haven't. Okay, okay. Like once he like just started ghosting me and it's weird because we see each other quite a bit. I'll tell you more about, about it after the podcast, but I'm just afraid people will know who I'm talking about. But anyway, we actually see each other a lot and it's so awkward. We just don't talk. Um, and I've told myself that I'm not going to talk to him. If he were to come and talk to me and apologize, I would accept the apology immediately. No issue. But I'm not going to be the one to try and give that olive branch because I did not do anything wrong. And I need to learn how to be okay with that. I just need to learn how to not be liked by someone. Mm. And Does it bother you? Yeah. At first, I I thought it's not going to be a big deal. Is it triggering for you? Because it's really triggering for me. It is. Like I told you, I think I suppress it really well. Mm. But the fact that it comes in my dreams, because I'm someone who dreams about things that I'm thinking about. Mm. 
and it's happened twice that he's oh, no, come it's into like my dreams. Mind. So it, it's like in my subconscious, like definitely. And I'm like, mm, this is weird. This is interesting, lah. You know. But something that I can say that I, you know, sometimes I look back at the message. I'm like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm such a pushover. I'm the one reaching out, even though I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Is that I'm also slightly proud of the fact that if anybody asks what went wrong, yeah. I can show them in the messages and be like, I don't know. I've yeah. tried my best, and I can come out of that feeling like I did not betray who I am. Yeah. Even if you're absolutely right, sometimes I did think about it. I wanted to reach out again, you know, right. like, hey, um, you know what? Let's have so that she talk. Completely just ghosted you. No, yeah, she ghosted me, and like, and she would do passive aggressive things like post photos, but doesn't tag me. Like mm. we would, um, because we have a lot of mutual friends, so mm. she would tell me, "Oh, make sure you are cordial." So I can't. I have to pretend that everything is okay. But she told you to be cordial. Yeah. But she doesn't want to address what's the problem. No, not to me. Okay, this is a weirdo. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like <laughs> it, it was really difficult, and like I have to physically stop myself from keep messaging her and say, "Hey, what's wrong? I want to work things out." Right. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, coming from people pleasers. <laughs> um, it, but that's why maybe we are so close. Yeah. We, just, we just please each other. We just keep on giving. We're we feeding each on. other. We're, feed, we're enabling each other. But it goes back to boundaries, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's hard to establish boundaries. It's hard for me to say no. Mm. It's really, really difficult for me to say no. Like um, recently, I found myself in a very difficult situation because I refused to put myself first. Like I had a surgery. Mm. Um, this is related to my IVF um, mm. process, and I said yes to a training to a regulator, and I also said yes to a social thing mm. a day after my surgery. And I didn't know that I was under GA. I didn't know that I'm like madly, <laughs> uh, not to say allergic, but. I cannot take GA. I was right. vomiting for three days stay, okay. straight. Right. So I told myself, I'll say yes. And then I honestly did the training and went to that social event mm. with my friend right. who is who has unfriended me Cordial. while I was like we'll, we'll in just, a really we'll, sickened we'll, state. We'll just call it Cordial from now on. Cordial, yeah. <laughs> so, and that is when I realized, oh my God, I have an issue. 100%. Like, I am bending over backwards for things. And you'd think that I learned my lesson because I had another uh, IVF surgery um, right before my... So I teach students public speaking on the weekends, on Saturday. I had my egg transfer. So egg transfer is basically where the doctor takes out the eggs from my ovaries mm -hmm. so that they can implant it. Um, later mm -hmm. that morning and I refused to cancel my class because I didn't want to let my students down Yeah, and the class I was I wouldn't say I was a high as a kite <laughs> but I was like on, I was like oh I don't know you, what's happening I don't know <laughs> what's happening today guys but you guys are beautiful today <laughs> you guys are speaking such powerful words today in particular <laughs> yeah I don't know how do you develop boundaries how do you say no and not yeah. feel bad and the funny thing is it can be to your detriment as well because I've had many times where I double book myself because mm. I'm so eager to like do so many I don't want to say no so I say yes to too many things and I end up giving subpar um, my the whatever I give to all these people will be subpar because I've stretched myself too thin and that's because of inability to say no and I don't want to say no because I don't want that person to feel bad mm. even when it comes to clients a client will say, uh, Oh, can, that's so difficult. Yeah, a client will say, Can I, I need it today? And even though I should be in no way saying that I can give it today, I'll say, Okay, yeah, I can give it today. And I feel so happy 
when I'm able to do it and give it to them like within a short span of time and they're so appreciative, I, that makes me so happy. It fuels you. It feels great, you know. I Their love approval. It. Yeah, the approval, definitely. But Don't you get anxious though? Yeah. Um, having to do so many things because that's yeah. my struggle right now. The anxiety mm. of having to please so many people mm. and exactly what you said, to the level that I am happy with. Mm. Because that's also a struggle because you don't have enough time in the day to make sure that you're absolutely present and at your best 100% of the time yeah. when you're doing so many things at once. Yeah, and you don't give yourself, you don't give, because the first thing you cut out is your own time, right? Yeah, you're last. You're last on, on the, the list. list. And then you realize that because you've put yourself last on the list, everything becomes unsustainable. I, I, like, I go through burnout a lot la, because I've not consciously and I'm still working on this like consciously taking some time uh, for myself and not just giving myself a little bit of time mm. but giving myself a lot of time I should deserve you deserve it I don't I shouldn't want I shouldn't expect just a short break I should expect a long break you deserve a long break yeah you know it's like why do you why do I need to feel like oh I'll just take half an hour for myself like a day that's not it's, yeah. that's and crazy. burnout is a real thing mm. you know um, that incident that I was telling you that week from hell mm. Mm. <laughs> where I had that surgery and that training and work and this personal thing I remember waking up that was like um, the whole weekend I woke up on Monday with this feeling of deep dread mm. like this huge anxiety that something bad is going to happen you know when instinctively like for example if you walk home late at night you feel like something bad is going to happen yeah. I felt that way waking up mm. um, from my bed even though that day I was free so I was like oh no um, I've been expecting or the past days have been so bad that I'm actually anxious of threats that did not exist mm. that's why I know I'm like oh I think I'm burned out or mm. I think that there's something wrong here and that I should address it Yeah. so I, I was like that way I was, I'm saying no to everything <laughs> <laughs> that's good la. you deserve that I've been following your fertility journey as well and because you're quite public about it, you post on social and you're the first person I think that I've ever met who's sort of, um, who's on a fertility sort of journey and who's really? been public. Really? Yeah. You I might don't, not know. I might not know. Yeah. yeah I might not know. Um, but so far, I've never spoken, well, at mm. least I've never spoken to anyone about You're this. very young maybe. I don't <laughs> Or maybe I just have, I just have really fertile friends. For maybe maybe you have very fertile <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I do know, I do know uh, girls who have like um, PCOS. Mm, PCOS, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's called PCOS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually talking to my cousin about it the other day. Then she was telling me about this girl who has um has fertility issues mm. then because I had read about it I was so proud I was like she might have uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome wow. <laughs> then, then she was like yeah actually she does have that then we were talking about it then I was like weren't you impressed that I knew that <laughs> then she was like I was impressed until you said weren't you impressed you're impressed I knew that so it was an active decision to read about it to impress people again goes back to your need for approval <laughs> That's why our first episode is about compliments because exactly. we kept complimenting each other. <laughs> we were feeding off each other. That's oh horrible. My goodness, that's so true. Uh, we kept on complimenting. Yeah, it's like yes, yes, give it to me. Oh, but outside we're like, oh no, 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 no. 
<laughs> like uh, when I went to your place for the recording, you yeah. like provided like a great breakfast, right? Yeah. And then when you came over, I was like, oh, I need to match Isa. <laughs> but oh, I only could get Domino's, damn it. <laughs> That's also competition though. That's you're you're, you're yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, so I I know a few people who've had uh, Picos, mm. uh, as you mentioned, and I that's my the uh, ex. Actually, I know it's becoming more and more an issue for young uh, women, and I think it affects their like their periods and yeah, it does, and also their weight. Uh, it affects their weight. Some become like really, really muscular, or some will like you know. You mean put the treatment weight. or the condition? Uh, the condition itself, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, because it's a hormonal. Well. It's a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I'm quite open with my IVF journey, I mean, I even have on my uh, Instagram, I think when I was doing the shots, mm. hormone shots, I actually shot mm. myself getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> Just because um, before being open with it, I felt really alone and isolated. It's exactly how you feel right now that I'm the only one you know personally mm. who is going through IVF. And that felt a lot like my journey. Mm. I felt like I was alone. I felt like, how is it that my friends, who are also very fertile, by the way, my friends are super <laughs> fertile. Super fertile. Super fertile. <laughs> they're like, just, just the moment married, nine yeah, months. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they stand next to each other and they're already <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why they got to get halal real quick. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I felt like that. It was, it was very frustrating because um, I'm the type of person where I believe that if you work hard, mm. you get what you deserve. You right. achieve what you put in, right? Yep. But I learned the hard way that when it comes with fertility, no matter how hard you try, and granted we try, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you yeah. need help. Yeah. And the only reason I started becoming really open with it because I remember I went to a fertility center and they had a waiting room. And there was literally like 40 people there, Roshan. Wow. And so many people. They're just doing MCO, by the way. Mm. So many people, different ages. Right. Some even already had children. Some really young. Some came with friends. And then I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm totally not alone. Yay, I'm not mm. special. Right. And then I realized so many people go through this. And then when I started sharing my fertility journey, literally so many of my friends, my classmates, even random people whom I just sort of kind of know, reached out and asked me, where you get, where are you getting the treatment? Is it good? I have, I have issues too. I have messages coming in from friends that I haven't talked to since high school saying that they cried for my journey because they have PCOS and I went through the same thing. Right. So it's such a, I wouldn't say it's such a shameful thing. It's such a taboo thing because a lot of people don't talk about it. It's yeah. not even taboo. There's no negative connotation. Yeah, I don't think there is. It's a quite a funny thing. It's just people don't talk about it for some reason. Because I also feel like as a woman, unfortunately, a big part of you um, identify with the fact that you're able to be a mother, identify like for me, I'm very frustrated now, not because I can't have children as of now, but because I don't know whether or not my need for children is something that is inherent of me, as in mm. me, I saw my brain, mm. or is it socialized from mm. me or is it biological, you know? So it gets very frustrating and um, I honestly, before this, I felt less of a woman, less of a wife because I'm not fulfilling quote-unquote my duties, especially when my parents, my aunties, relatives ask mm. me, 
when are you going to have um, mm. a child? You know, you feel like it's expected and you, you want to tell them that I'm trying. I'm honestly trying my best. Because you're a people pleaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Everything seems the narrative comes back to us being yeah. people pleasers. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's also because, um, I mean, I've heard your podcast with your, your husband. Uh, the, I mean the ones that you all do together yeah. I think you guys are adorable you guys are <laughs> oh, so thank cute you, thank you guys you. are so cute and I think you 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 two have a genuine relationship uh, and I'm sure when you're in that such, when you're I don't I'm I'm supposing a lot of things lah, but you know you can correct me but I'm sure when you're that in love with a person there's a natural desire to want to manifest that love right mm. to, to, in, a, in a child um, and you want to share this is something you can give him as well your husband right because you love him so much in a yeah. way sometimes for a lot of people it's like a gift right both sides even as a man if you're unable to give uh, your wife a child it's a a big thing yeah it is it is sometimes, people always you know, think it's girls but sometimes it's with guys too you know yeah 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 no honestly i think it could even be might be even worse for men because men have a weird thing about Toxic masculinity? Yeah, this could be, this, this is definitely toxic where we feel like um, a lot of things, the, I think it's toxic when you value your, you weigh your masculinity based on anything associated with your genitalia. Yeah, like, <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Or your, the potency of your sperm. Yeah. You know, I think that definitely is really toxic. But a lot of people feel that way. Like they feel well, like less of a man. I mean, inversely. Yep. Guys feel less of a man if they have issues with their sperm and it's similar with women. You feel less of a... Um, it's like because you're... Bi- not to say you're biologically built to do this, mm. but also you are biologically you are, you built are. to do this. Yeah, so when yeah. you can't do it, mm. um, it feels like, is there something wrong with my body? Yeah. And I always tell myself that because um, people always say like, what's wrong? Are you stressed? And I, I tell them, no, no, I'm not stressed. But actually, in hindsight now, <laughs> maybe I am stressed. <laughs> So we uh, just just to back this up a little bit. Um, how did you? What 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 made you? Um, how do I say this? What, what how did the story start? Were you all trying to have kids for a long time, or and it was just not happening? Did he also get tested, or did you just know? Have, did you have a feeling that it was on your side? How, how did it go? Okay, so we we knew that we weren't going to try mm. until after two years of our marriage. Right. So that was in the cards. All right, we because we were living abroad for a while mm. uh, while I was doing my masters, and then when we came back after a year, and I'm like, okay, we're ready. And then we started trying and trying and trying. We did everything right, mm. quote unquote right, <laughs> and nothing came out of it. So I was like, okay, that's odd. Mm. So I got myself checked, and he got himself checked. Um, I wanted to see whether my my tubes are blocked and everything was clear until I did a general checkup like a general random checkup okay and then a full body checkup and then the doctor found a, a large cyst in my ovary right and then they say hey you should go to the gynae and check it out and that's when I found that I have something called endometriosis mm-hmm. which is similar to PCOS but it's I mean, on a scale of infertility, because it's worse, lah. Mm. Um, it makes it a lot harder for you to conceive. But what endometriosis does is that um, you develop things called cysts, which are blood sacs, uh, and growths around your okay TMI, yeah. <laughs> just no around Go your um, ovaries and your area, your cervix. You don't have to point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I know where it is. I know where everything is just located. Just because you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, Aiza so, was waving her hand in a general area. Yeah, I feel like the teacher mode yeah, was on yeah. and I'm like, okay, it's here, here and here. Uh, so long story short, yeah. it makes it hard for the sperm to reach the egg and mm. for it to fertilize. And that's when I realized that I need additional help. So before doing IVF, I did something called IUI, where they basically inject the sperm all the way up to the um, egg or the ovaries. Yeah. But it still didn't work. So that's why we're doing IVF. Mm. And how long have you been doing IVF? Oh, quite, um, quite a while. And it's expensive, right? It's super expensive. Yeah. You're looking at um, between 20 to 30k. Yikes. For IVF. But... Last year, government declared that we can claim deductions. So I got a lot of deductions from that this well, that's year. Great. Some some um, money back from the government. That's good. Actually, yeah, there, there are some good things about, you know, our government is not all bad. Lah. I mean, now more and more, they recognize the need to help those who need help, mm. to, um, who, who need help conceiving. Not only can you get tax breaks, do you know that you can also um, take out your EPF for IVF. Really? Yeah. So I think that is growing recognition that IVF is a real issue. Like for example, our queen currently, Mm. Mm. she had huge, um, she had problems conceiving. Mm. I think it was six years before she conceived her first child. And that's why she has a foundation that provides um, IVF services to underprivileged couples. So I think because of her, maybe it's more highlighted now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, the, but the IVF process itself has been uncomfortable for you, lah. Oh, very uncomfortable because you're injecting so many hormones in your body. Like I gain weight, my mood swings is crazy. Like it's really funny because last year, okay, um, long story short, for you going through IVF, they're stimulating um, the egg production, ovulation basically. So a woman ovulates once a month um, before her period comes and... Um, so during the IVF, to increase your chances, they do a lot of injections so that your body produces more than one eggs. Mm. So that was last year. I was producing so many eggs mm. and it caused me to gain a lot of weight and it also caused me to have a lot of mood swings. And funnily enough, because of all those hormones, when they finally took out the eggs from my body, they inseminated it with my husband's sperm and then they freeze it. Um, I found out that because of the hormones, I ha- I now have growth. It's called polyps mm. on my cervix, which is actually quite dangerous for implantation. So I had that's the surgery that I was talking about. I right. had to take out those polyps. And then after that, now I'm on hormone, which stops me from ovulating because they don't want any more polyps or growth to um, happen. And now I'm like, in a pre-menopausal state because they're taking out um, so I'm getting mood swings I'm getting hot flushes so it just solidifies this whole thing of like oh my god I'm like why do I have to go through this just to do something that's biologically supposed to be quite easy for me to do right as a young person you're told to not have sex because it will ruin your life Uh, little do you know for some people they could have had all the sex they want (laughs) yeah I, yeah, it's 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 really tough. I think sometimes we take it for granted. Actually, a lot of people struggle with this, like having having kids. Um, like even I know, like from my parents' times, because like especially, like in because of like Christians, mm. uh, there are a lot of like miracles like attributed to people who can't have kids, and then they maybe prayed. They went to a specific place for a pilgrimage they went to a particular church and they really really prayed and then after that they got a child so a lot of people I know are named after that particular church or named after the particular saint or because they 
um, because of that special sort of intercession. So in that way, I knew that it wasn't easy for everybody. And it's always seen as a gift, right? Yeah. Because sometimes we we grow up listening to all these teenagers getting pregnant and throwing their kids away and mm. they don't even know they're pregnant. So sometimes it feels like, oh, it must be like really easy to have a kid. Anybody can have a kid. Yeah. But it's not true. It's not true. It That's heartbreaking quite... for me, actually. Because yeah. um, sure. not to say I'm here trying to have a child and then I read in a newspaper where you have teenagers who are, you know, murdering or throwing yeah. away their babies in dustbins but at the same time not to say I don't blame them I am also sympathetic of their plight maybe yeah. they weren't told um, what are the consequences of having sex they don't mm. know about safe sex and you know as much as we can blame her and say she did a wrong thing definitely she did a wrong thing Yeah. but we also have to look at the systems in place that enabled her yeah. to kill a life rather yeah. than tell her parents about it or yeah. to get help about it I mean, then the system failed her because you have to know we're talking about a kid here, a teenager, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. As much as, as she should be accountable to her actions, we should also look further and see what drove her to do those things because yeah. it's difficult, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100, uh, me personally, and this might be my most controversial position on anything, but I'm definitely like a pro-lifer. Like I'm against abortion, 100%. That's just my... I think of it like from a religious sense, but I also think of, of it from an ethical sense. And I just think it's a big, big no. But I also think that because I'm a pro-lifer, um, I would have to tackle it in many ways. Like I, I'm, that's why I'm also an advocate for uh, passing law to make men responsible for, it doesn't matter whether you're married to the girl or not married to the girl. If you hook up with a girl and she gets pregnant, you are responsible for that child. As long as I can prove paternity, you should also be taking care of that child. It shouldn't be all on the the, the, the girl. It shouldn't be all on the woman. I think like, we need to like, buff up our adoption services. Like, if you, if I want to stop abortion, I need to make sure like, girls feel comfortable uh, and are aware of services where they can give the child to a place that is safe so that that child can grow up. That is quite controversial. I, as in like, in terms of your views. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, but are you against contraception though? Uh, I would rather you contracept than abort a child. La. Like, I think abortion is just way up. I, I think if, even if I'm not a pro-contraception, I think it's much more lower oh, than it's a this. necessary evil, you mean? Because for me, maybe. <laughs> it's like a, it's a hard thing. Well, to me, this is my view, to say that you can't abort, but you can't take steps to prevent yourself from getting abortion other than not having sex. I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I get that. So, again, I think, like, first, actually, this is, this contraception is something I still think about, but, like, if I, I feel like abortion is on the top of the list, mm. so I'm a proponent of teaching kids safe sex as well. Because, ultimately, I think I will do whatever I can to stop abortions from happening because ethically I just think it's murdering a child okay e ethically so that's why I, I, I feel strongly against it I'm more pro-choice yeah um, <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> how do I say this in a way that okay um while I totally agree with you with that sentiment, because obviously I'm trying to have a child, right? Yeah. So I can't fathom the idea that some people don't want a child and want to get rid of it. So, yeah. But at the same time, I cannot bring myself to support something that forces an 
a mom <laughs> that forces a woman to carry a child to term and give birth to it and have to deal with the consequences of putting that child up for adoption or resenting that child if she does keep that child. Um, that being said, I myself don't think that I would be able to go through an abortion even mm. if I'm put in those <clears throat> circumstances. Yeah. So um, I am pro-choice, but I don't know if I would take up that choice if mm. my circumstances were such that... Yeah. Um, I understand. You just yeah. basically feel that everybody should have the right to choose yeah. without making a moral judgment on, on, on whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I just think it's a... It's, it's a people-pleaser stance. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually... Oh, what? Yours or mine? My <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I understand. And as a people-pleaser, I definitely don't want to tell girls who are... Do you actively tell girls? Uh, no, no. If they're pregnant, I don't go around telling, you know, shouting. No, not at all. But uh, I'm open about my... Like, I think I consider myself an advocate on this issue. So, like, I, like... I post on it and I'm not afraid to tell people my views and like so what do you say like interest um just as like an interesting note hmm. so what do you tell women who say things like you can't legislate um get away don't legislate over my body hmm. um I have a right to choose hmm. like what what do you what do you say to that like other than the fact that you're murdering uh, a child well first thing I never tell them you're murdering a child okay. but I I always start off by saying that you're right ends where my right begins. La. That's just a basic tenant. Mm -hmm. Like all of us uh, don't have um, absolute rights. We all circumvent our rights to a certain extent when it interferes with the right of another person. And that's why when you have a newborn baby, even if you're like dirt poor and you can't provide for the child, you can't kill the child. So in this sense, the right of another person is the right of the unborn child. Yeah. So that's the third party harm that you yeah. are. And so inflicting. the question, the ultimate question, and this is actually the only yeah. question I'm concerned about is when, when does the life start? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Is it at um the first trimester? Exactly. Of sixth trimester or exactly. And for oh, wait, me, six there's is it six <laughs> trimesters. <laughs> Isa, are you sure you're ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, what do I expect at my sixth trimester? <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a long journey I'm like Where does this end? Yeah honestly I'm not even at step one To be honest <laughs> Even if I do get pregnant It's like the whole nine months At yeah. any time A miscarriage can happen Or something goes wrong You yeah, know yeah, yeah, It's yeah. crazy It's tough like It's tough So yeah That's interesting though I'm just glad We haven't talked about podcasting Once <laughs> since we started <laughs> We did a little bit okay, la, We did a little right. bit um, Have you gotten like um, any blowback from like family members or anything like that? I'm really thankful that everybody's sympathetic. Hmm. Like nobody has ever said, oh, um, because you know, there are some conservative members of the society who be like, oh, you should get another wife because hmm. if she can't conceive, you have every right to get a wife. And you, and you know, I hear this a lot. Um, oh, um, the first wife is so nice because she can't conceive she, so she allows the husband to take another wife mm. and somehow it's justified um, for you for a man to get another woman simply because the first one is not fulfilling her duty and that goes back to mm. how having a child is so inexplicably tied to your purpose in that marriage yeah. but it's not the case for my family. They're all sympathetic. And in fact, they're super kind about it and really nice. And in fact, they were the one who encouraged me to go to IVF because I didn't want to accept 
that there was a problem with me, quote unquote mm. problem with me. Mm. Because going to the doctor means that, first of all, you can't do it yourself and you need um, intervention, medical intervention. That means there is something wrong with you that requires all these hormonal shots, that requires these procedures and medication. But they made it comfortable enough for me to seek help. Mm. So I'm really grateful for them in that sense. The only thing that right now I'm getting kind of a blowback is because I signed up for um, the opt-in. I opted in for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Right, right. And to be honest, previously I didn't mm. because I've been hearing so many things like if you're trying to conceive, if you're trying to get pregnant, mm. you shouldn't get yourself vaccinated. <clears throat> but my friend asked me a really simple but really good question, which is, and when are you going to get <laughs> vaccinated? Mm. And then I realized that I was just listening to my family, to random people telling me stuff. And when I did the reading, mm. it is actually recommended for those who are getting pregnant or trying to conceive to get a vaccine now. I think you're not before. supposed to get it when you're pregnant, right? Yeah, there's a higher risk when you're pregnant, pregnant, actually. So it totally makes sense for me to get one now because then how long am I going to hold mm. off getting vaccinated? And why would I want to expose my unborn child to the risk of me getting COVID? Mm. But I've been getting blowback from signing up. Like my mother-in-law um, is like, you shouldn't, you're risking your baby. And that's when I realized that a lot of people are saying things without actually reading. It yeah. actually, even for me, I, I, uh, I only made the decision to sign up on the day itself, like at two o'clock, one hour before it ran out. I signed up because I went online, did my reading, asked my IVF doctor, and then make the decision. But a lot of people don't do that. They either listen to other people or they just sign up and then later cancel. I've got friends who decide to not show up to the appointment because realize that there's a risk of blood clot. But when you do that, you know, you take away the chance of other people who mm -hmm. want to opt in. And even this whole opt-in issue, I don't know, what do you think about it? Actually, do you think it's like a cutting the line? Meaning? This whole opt-in issue of vaccination. What do, what do you mean by cutting the line? Meaning that People who really need it mm. are the people who are above 60 with pre-existing conditions. Oh, so you, you feel like it should be assigned rather than uh, you you like apply whoever is yeah, the fastest to apply. Yeah, because Kyrie decided, all right, people don't want ex AstraZeneca, so we're going to make it an opt-in um, situation. But is that what's best for everybody? Mm. You know, that's another question. I don't know. It's tough. Um, I think there's a lot. I've... You know, it's such an interesting time to live in because people are so conflicted and people are so afraid of so many different things. You have people, the same people who talk about, uh, I'm not going to take the vaccine, who also criticize the government for not giving enough vaccines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, we live in such a weird, weird time. People are so conflicted. And I like remember when we did our episode together when I was on yours. Mm. I think one of the examples I gave at the time because at anti the time... Anti-vaxxer. Yeah, at the time we did... I'm not an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer. No, but at the time, uh, the vaccine wasn't even... It wasn't like... We couldn't even envision it happening yeah, yeah, anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. So I gave the example of like what happens when the vaccine comes out, if it comes out and people don't want to take it, what are we going to do? Are mm. we going to strap people to their chairs and, and vaccinate them? And um, the vaccine came. And it's been such a, like, it's been so interesting to see things kind of uh, play out because actually um, the numbers of people who actually registered for vaccine is, was very low. Yeah, it was really low. It was very, very low. It's only when they opened it up, the young people who were, I think, bottom of the list, they have actually more yeah. or less applied for the um, 
And you're looking at Klein Valley as well. Exactly, you know. So it's a it's actually the middle class, upper middle class who have uh, come in droves for the vaccine. But the normal pachi machi, a lot of them are afraid and they've been holding back to see how it pans out. Please, uh, like a good example is my dad was so happy to register. My mom refused to register. Yeah, my, mine is the opposite. My mom registered, my dad refused to register. Yeah, and like you can't, the only way to change their minds, to be honest, isn't even the science or the data. It's just seeing people get vaccinated. Exactly. Like my dad got vaccinated today and a lot of my mom's friends and people that we know started getting vaccinated and she's like super formal. Yeah. She actually joined my dad and my brother to get vaccinated today because she wants to try and see if she can walk in and get the shot. Mm. That's what changes perspective. Even between my family, so my whole family except for my mom read, got ourselves registered to get vaccinated but my husband's whole family except for him mm. didn't register right so it's it's the situation of like his family is like saying oh why are you getting vaccinated is mm. it safe for your pregnancy at the same time it's like us saying that hey you should get yourself vaccinated <laughs> you're not protecting your family mm. and it's so crazy because all of these people you know these people they're reasonable, reasonable people. Mm. They're educated people, but they have wildly different views, even though the data is available. Mm. So, I don't know. What are your views on that? I don't know. I, I'm conflicted. I think, like, I think I was talking, there's a podcast, that my episode is going to come out tomorrow, where I spoke speak to our mutual friend, mm. uh, uh, Vishal, very nice guy. And uh, actually, it's really funny, because Vishal is actually, like, into, uh, um, like, he's a, Car guy, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a, a luxury, super guy, yeah. Luxury goods dude. Then we were talking before the podcast, like kind of, because first time we're meeting. And then we were just like, there was a moment of silence. I was like, hey bro, actually, have you been following the Ghana Party case? <laughs> <laughs> then he was like, um, yeah, I mean, we can talk about it if you want. I was like, okay, sure. So we ended up talking about, the first half an hour we were talking about COVID. We talked about the Ghana Party case. And <laughs> I was joking in the podcast, I was like, for people who are, who are just tune in, they'll think that I got like a public policy <laughs> <laughs> but That's so, so far from the truth. But anyway, so I was talking to him, and I, I, we, I was just telling him that I think that the messaging has been so poor. There's something. There's a disconnect here, somewhere. Here. Yeah, the discon There's just a disconnect in the information that's being given. Um, in a way, people can digest, lah. You know. Honestly, <clears throat> I think like going back to that example of the teenager who threw away her child, yeah. you always have to look at the bigger picture and ask yourself why are reasonable, educated people so averse to getting themselves vaccinated? Mm -hmm. There is a problem with not just the flow of information, but the way the vaccine was rolled out. Because I believe that if you have transparency, if people's questions are being answered, yep. then these kind of things isn't an issue. I mean, if you have complete faith and trust in the government and the fact that if data says that it's safe, then I don't see why you wouldn't, yeah. you know, take the vaccine. And I don't think the solution is freaking anti-fake news law. Yeah. I feel like when you have that, then it drives this conversation <laughs> down further. People feel like they can't ask. People feel like they don't know um, what's happening. And that's why it's harder for them to trust that the process is working. So you see, one of the big problems is this. We were facing a lot of people who are conspiracies, right? They were fueling this whole thing. They were saying that this is some sort of ploy, some sort of plot. The whole thing is made up by some 
I don't know who is this person that's manufacturing this whole thing. Bill Gates, I suppose, right? <laughs> and, and his chips. Yeah, his chips. And there's this entire class that is sort of benefiting from this whole COVID thing, right? So if I'm the government, right, what would I do? I have to reassure people that this is not the case. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just looking at optics and messaging. You declaring a darurat, it feeds to the conspiracy. That's not how you build trust. No, you're absolutely right. The people who were scared got even more freaked out. I had legit friends who are anti-COVID. Like they don't believe in COVID. The moment these sort of things happen, they said, I knew this was going to... They say, I predicted this was going to happen. It's all a government ploy it's to a get ploy. power. Yeah. This is not how you build... I'm not saying that what they did was right or wrong. So no one can take me to court. But what I'm saying is the messaging and the optics is so horrible. Any halfway decent PR person would tell you that that's such a bad move. Yeah. Especially when this whole thing uh, rests on trust. There's Especially such, after the Sheraton move as well. Yeah, there's such a trust deficit. Yeah. I think this magnified the trust deficit between the state and people. But in Malaysia in particular, we have such a trust deficit with our leaders. And you ask a big thing from us, yeah? You ask us to risk our health and safety of us and our family members. You ask us to trust you. Not only the science, but to trust you, right? But you don't reassure us. In fact, you do all these shady kind of moves. I don't blame people for for, you know, thinking what they think, for being like cautious. No, uh, the reason why these conspiracy theories, um, assuming that it's a conspiracy theory, <laughs> is so loud and is so magnified because of this underlying sentiment and that lack of trust. Mm. And I feel like you can't expect the citizens to not be angry when you make children go to school during the pandemic, but you declare a darurat and suspend parliament yeah you can't expect them to be quiet when you are going into the national coffers in the guise of like getting vaccine or like changing the laws in order for it to be easier for the government to use money without go it going to the parliament because we don't know what's happening it's so opaque yeah. parliament was supposed to be there in order to check and balance um the people in charge but we don't have that instead we have half I wouldn't say half has it, <laughs> but instead we have policies without accountability, mm -hmm. rollouts without educate, educate, adequate information. And everything seems to be on the citizens. Like citizens um, are wrong to reject this. We are wrong to um, be hesitant. But sometimes I feel like the government should also look outwards and see the part that they play in this situation and mm. you're totally right um, I think if there wasn't a trust deficit we would be a lot more receptive towards these things look at all the corruption cases in our courts now right and so we know that there has been a systematic um, pattern mm. in the past where state officials would mismanage projects right yeah Oh, the characters, we we the main characters are in the courts now. The main main characters, but all the uh, the sub characters, the minor characters are still where they were. Mm -hmm. They are still in parliament, whichever side they are on now, lah. But those characters are all still there. And how am I supposed to believe that when this COVID thing, right, the vaccines coming in involves so much of money? Yeah. How are you assuring me that you are doing it the proper way? Exactly. When you have a history of misusing, of being so brilliant in misusing monies and projects and manipulating it that way. Hmm. How am I supposed to believe that you're not doing it here as well?
Yeah, by the way, when you say main people, right? Those main people are also still in power. Yeah, they're still around. <laughs> yeah, they're still around. They're still uh, leaders of parties. They still hold a lot of sway. Mm. And uh, previously, like even with the 1MDB, right? We had the, there was a committee that was supposed to make sure that all the accounts are okay and those are the people that went to court. Now, mm. all of the select committees that were implemented to, you know, check and balance the government also not around because mm. of all this. So it's it's hard to... F- it's hard to feel like um, you are being heard when everything is there to silence you. The other day, I was talking uh, DSN. Mm. You know, his following is huge. Like, his following is really, yeah, yeah. really huge. Like, the amount of people that likes his posts and comments, like, they surpass um, Syed Sadiq. Or, you know, Syed Sadiq, you think someone who's really on social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I know he's one of your guests, so I cannot speak too harshly <laughs> about Saeed Sadiq. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay, you can. <laughs> no, but like, he's a young person that's supposed to be in tune, yeah. right? But DSN's following is it has surpassed Saeed Sadiq, surpasses KJ, surpasses most of the politicians that I know. And I'm dumbfounded. Why, I'm like, why is that? Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, do you have any idea? I have no idea. I feel like he represents... Not to say the Trump of Malaysia. <laughs> but you see, Trump to me makes more sense than DSN. Because I get, you know, I, I think I really understand the Trump phenomenon. Because we, uh, politics became so politically correct. Mm. Um, and nothing wrong with being politically correct. You should know when to say something. You should know how to say something. But a lot of times, when two people are alone in mm. like a pub or in a mama, they don't talk politically correct. They talk like normal people. They talk shit. They say stupid things without any like fear of judgment. Lah. And yeah. that's like a... That's what I try to do in this podcast, right? Have like authentic, sincere conversations. It's very hard to have a politically politically correct, authentic, sincere conversation. So like when Trump came, the moment he he said things that were not politically correct, people were like, I know that guy. You know, that I guy, am that guy. I am that guy. You know, that is someone who's speaking the truth. Just because he didn't say anything politi- politically correct. Yeah. And they kind of like made this sort of false equation that if he's saying things that are not politically correct, it means he's speaking the truth, which is not, not necessarily true. Yeah, that's true. So I, I get the Trump appeal, right? It was fresh. It was like a like fresh air, like someone who's like real. Like this is a real person. This is not the fake thing that we see that's on TV, right? And can be so refreshing. DSN, I don't... Uh, what is the appeal? I don't understand the appeal. You don't think it's because he represents um, the quote-unquote old ways, traditional ways. Maybe. And I think also there's this whole... Um, not to say conspiracy, but there's this whole narrative that he was a victim of circumstance. Right. That the whole one MDB scandal is a sham. It's a witch hunt. Mm. So I think that fuels sympathy towards him. And I also feel like he really panders <laughs> to the views of a majority race. <laughs> 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 Only one, but... Yeah, the Indians love the SN. <laughs> 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 but apparently my friend was commenting that you know he used to be he used to be the case that he would say uh, he would put Malay and English but now it's just Malay <laughs> you can see he's like okay I can't get I can't win those uh, right. the fraction within the community but I even think that the Malay community in Malaysia is so it's never been this divided before yeah. I I 
people were divided. Like, I mean, the fact that we had like May 13, people were obviously divided. But I I agree with you. I don't think we've ever been this divided because of social media and uh, the ease in making like like echo chambers, right? It's so easy to find uh, your your tribe now and build a tribe. Do you think a lot of people are apathetic now? Because I'm quite apathetic now. I feel quite disempowered over the whole thing. Yeah. As in like, um, because I remember, you know, we had a conversation about this, how we were really excited voting. Mm. And then after the Sheraton move happened, we were like, oh, <laughs> you feel powerless and you're seeing the same faces yeah. um, trying to do the same thing, just trying to power grab. So yeah, it does feel quite demotivating. There's no, I think... All of us, we long for, for better or for worse, we long for like a sort of uh, uh, a story. Our lives, we want our lives to have a story and to have meaning. And so we act out our lives like a drama and we look for these characters. We look for the hero, mm. you know, but in Malaysia, it doesn't, there's no hero. Yeah, maybe that's why yeah. they're behind him because he is seen as the hero <laughs> or the, you know, Batman, the victimized He's definitely, person. I, I believe in archetypes. Mm. He's definitely tapping into some... Like you know, Mah- like Mahate, I understand his appeal. He mm. he has the he he's so uh, powerful because he plays two archetypal stories. He's either the the grandfather, Savior. the oh. grandfather, uh, or he's the um, villain, the villain character. You know, so he has two stories. So if you hate him, you really hate him yeah, yeah, because yeah. he represents the evil in the country. If you love him, you, you really, really love, love him, him because he's like. Your Nobody's figure. indifferent towards Mahathir. Yeah. No one is like, meh, about yeah, Mahathir. Yeah, yeah. You don't love him or you hate Nobody's him. Nobody's like, I don't think about Mahathir at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> and that's the problem with Anwar, I think, is that he's actually, if you think about it, he's a poor guy. La. He went through a lot. La. The um, um <laughs> the person forever PM in waiting. <laughs> PM forever in waiting. Actually, kasihan him. Like, you know, he, I mean, he went to jail for a long time. And if you think about the reason why he went to jail, you know, in a modern context, it, is ridiculous lah. Um, maybe not in Malaysia, I don't know. But it seems crazy to go to jail for that period of time because of whatever he was alleged yeah. to have done. And and as lawyers, we also know that it's, not say it's bullshit lah, but like... The case was mad, weird lah. It was... I mean, in terms of evidence-wise... It was bad shape. And the, it was... Okay, yeah. what do you mean? As in, what do you mean by bad shape? Bad shape in the sense that the judge was Augustine Paul. Hmm. And I think... I look up to Augustine Paul, you know? Augustine Paul is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Augustine Paul, I mean, was brilliant. Genius level. Great. And good with evidence. Yes. Like, that's his thing. But I think he was very pro-government. I think, lah, huh? my own opinion, he was very pro-government. So the way he conducted the trial was actually really bad. Um, it was very, very uh, heavy-handed and by uh, it looked like it was very biased to one side. And so, it was... It, didn't look good lah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's all we can say just in case contempt <laughs> <laughs> Malaysia kini. <laughs> I, I respect our judiciary. We love Augustine <laughs> Paul. You know. Um, we can differ in views. <laughs> yeah, just personal opinion. Personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, it just looked like it. Not saying that he was Mm-mm. looked like it. Yeah, that's We have true. to be very careful with our words now. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, so I kind of question him because I think he never had an archetypal sort of story. So he... I, a lot of people feel meh about Anwar. Really? I think so. Nobody really thinks of... There are people who don't like Anwar, but no one treats Anwar like 
Mahathir, the, the yeah, I mean villain. the reverence um, the, in both. terms of yeah, yeah, the yeah. villainy and the reverence. Yeah. No one has that feeling for for Anwar. I feel like as of now, everybody's just kasihan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Do you have do? Because you're Malay, right? Do you understand the sentiments of Malay people who sort of hold to... Okay, this is such an existential question. <laughs> yeah. Because um, what is a Malay? Like, right. do I identify um, to being a Malay? Because if you look at the federal constitution, Malay is defined as somebody who practiced the Malay custom yeah. and professed the religion of Islam. Yeah. And it's so tied with our identity that it comes with rights and privileges. And it also comes with a whole host of additional liability that comes in the form of Sharia laws. Yeah. So for me, uh, on I've always felt like, because I went to UITM. Right which is an affirmative action university that's reserved for Malays. Hmm. And I have, when I was there, I felt like the most un-Malay person there because unfortunately, I'm from middle to upper class. I went to a private school, so I speak a lot of English. So when I was there, my Malay is not great. Yeah. All right. So I had this view that, oh, you know, when they say, oh, um, yeah, Kampung Malays are like that. Some she, She's so Malay. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not so Malay. <laughs> or people will come to me and say, "Oh, you're not like normal Malays." Yeah. And so the question is, what is a normal Malay, and what is typical Malay? Because when you look at um, the people that crowded around the courthouse um, when during Najib's case, mm. and then you had all of these like like women crying saying he is mm. a victim, blah blah blah. I have friends coming up to me and say, "Hey, look at those Malays. Mm. Uh, I can't believe they're following him." Oh, such stupid Malays. And these are Malays also coming. <laughs> now, yeah. I'm so glad that we're not those kind of Malays. <laughs> but you have to understand that the reason why, it, when you differentiate yourself, when I'm distancing myself from those types of quote-unquote Malay, I'm saying I'm better than, than those Malays. Mm. I'm saying that um, because I speak good English. Mm. Why? Because I am privileged. Because I could afford uh, a quote-unquote better education. And you don't, realize the systems that are um, in place that caused them to be such a fan of him. Why? He gave cash handouts when these people are, um, when these people, when fishermen, when farmers are not getting um, income. These are what they respond to because mm -hmm. nobody is really looking on the ground. And even you tell a normal person and you try to tell them about 1MDB and what Najib um, did to the country and how we lost so much money is the same guy that is giving you like a thousand ringgit a month for your family mm. to get food on the table. It's very hard to reconcile them yeah. then. And also it's a bit tough. Like I, I think I found this to be true also like for, for men who um, get caught up in like sexual harassment um, allegations or whatever, right? You'll find a lot of their f women friends who are very like liberal progressive supporting them because it's different when you know the person. Mm. It's different when you're close to the person. Suddenly, it becomes really, really weird, right? So you have like, I know uh, like a few, and I'm not throwing, not at all am I throwing shade at them because I think it is a very complicated thing, right? But I know like uh, people who have spoken out against um, uh, sexism, right? Mm -hmm. Or the male patriarchy or whatever. But when their friend gets accused of sexual harassment, they're defending the male friend. Yeah. They only like understand how complicated is you know for example there was one case I feel a bit bad talking about it and I want to say at the outset that 
I really hold no view of who is right or who is wrong. But there's a lawyer, uh, Surin. I know that case. Right. And Tashni Sukumaran. Yeah. Who's a journalist. Yeah. So, I really don't know who's right, who's wrong, right? I reserve my judgment. That got really ugly. It got ugly. It got really, really ugly. Uh, but Do you want to give context? Okay. So, what happened was... I'm playing with this plastic thing and I think it's going to mess up our sound, but I'm so fidgety. <laughs> um, Surin is a... I know him. He's a very successful young lawyer. He's a human rights lawyer, right? He's a human rights lawyer. That he, played into the narrative too. Yeah. So, he's represented uh, Sisters of Islam. Mm. Uh, and he worked for one of the best lawyers counsel in Malaysia, Malik Imtiaz. Uh, he's a protégé. You know, he's... This guy is brilliant. Lah. He's And he's a leader among the young lawyers. He's a UKM grad, first class honours. He's one of the pioneers of movers of ALSA. Um, just really well-rounded. Very, on paper, a good guy. On paper. A well-respected good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very talented. Uh, he, you know, while he was working with Malik Imtiaz, he did his, I think, master's in like law in uh, Oxford if I'm not mistaken like you know this is someone that mm. everyone looks up to I look at him and I start questioning my own life and all the decisions that I've made in my <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> until now <laughs> yeah. and then so what happens is and I know Tashni Sukumaran as well uh, because she used to date my cousin's friend so I've known I've known her way. She's back. pretty talented on paper as well. Yes, she is. She's an amazing journalist. Hundred percent. She was writing headline like front page news at the age of 22, 23 mm. for the Star. She's on South Asia. Um, yeah. Chinese uh, Post. Yeah. Am I saying it right? South Morning. Eh? So. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can fact check later. <laughs> But basically, you know, she's extremely courageous. She was the one who broke the Al Jazeera story. Yep. She was the one who had to go into questioning because she was um, questioning. She was went into questioning for questioning the treatment of migrants. So she's an independent journalist, a brilliant journalist. And you, yeah, so those are, are I don't know any of them personally. Yeah, I'm not close, but I definitely, South China Morning Post. By the way, South China Morning Post is a big deal and I can't believe we both forgot how it's <laughs> yeah, called. <laughs> 100%. 100%. It's damn embarrassing. But anyway, um, yeah. So what happened was on Twitter, Tashni accused Surin of giving her an STI because when she asked him whether he had gotten checked, he said he had. And she says that she had not you know, had sexual intercourse with any other person. So she's very sure because she has the STI, it came from Surin. So Surin lied. And from that, uh, she started retweeting. People had like DM'd her. And so messages of Surin um, sort of... Um, she accused rape, right? Because it's not consensual. Yeah, she used... I think that was the 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 controversial part of it. Like the... The, the words that she used, mm. like she said it was rape because no consent. And it's actually much more complicated. It's a very complicated issue actually. But anyway, and then she started getting DMs from other people. About his character. His character. And it wasn't uh, to the extent of uh, Tashni's experience, but a lot of them said that like he would uh, DM them and you know he would be very upfront about wanting sex and really like uh, he had you know very specific 
uh, some would say um very unique um, um uh, desires in the okay. bedroom what's the controversy here to you is it because you can't believe someone like that can do something like this no 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 or is it that this is a big deal when it's i what's the controversy for here? me personally yeah. i think um the issue is I think we conflate a lot of different words and I mm. do think it's important for us to use the right words. Mm. And if Surin lied about what happened with him and I mean, I mean sorry, if Surin lied about not having an STI and he gave STI an STI to Tashni, that's wrong. Mm. I would maybe use the word fraudulent like some kind of sexual fraud rather than the word rape because that takes away from women who get assaulted in a particular way. Because in our minds, you're using, you're hijacking a word's meaning, you know. Because the word is so charged because in our minds, we've been programmed to think of rape as a man jumps on a woman and forces her. Mm. That's what the word means to us. Do you think it trivializes the plight of quote-unquote real women who get raped? Uh, yeah. I, I will, you think? I don't because rape can exist in many forms. So for example, let's say your boss asks you to have sex with you mm. and you don't complain, you comply. Mm. That's still rape because there is that um that can be rape because of that factor of the lack of consent. Okay, let me give an example of how mm. it gets complicated. Would you say two people who are drunk and have sex, would you call it rape? I think it really depends on their abilities to consent. Well, how can you consent when you're drunk? Um, yeah, so it it depends because okay, so let's say you draw a line for when you're driving right? Mm. There is a certain level of drunkness that mm. suddenly you're not fit to drive. Mm. I believe that there is a certain amount of level, mm. a line that we can set for when you are too drunk to make a decision. Yeah. So if you're not able to actualize that decision, then I think it is rape. But then it's funny because you could have two people who have no issues about their experience, but you would call it rape because they were of not a level to give consent. It's the same with kids. It's the it's the same assumption that we make. Mm. If two kids have sex under age, let's say 14, it mm. is still considered rape even if they both quote-unquote consent because we make the assumption that you do not have an ability to understand the co consequences of your actions when you decide to partake in this act at that age. Then the issue is... But that's a problem. I feel like that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't have we shouldn't I also have a problem with that I don't mm. think when two 16 year olds have sex you should call it rape 16 is not below 16 oh uh, sorry okay yeah. no for guys I think I think the age dif differs between men and women oh. for guys and girls I think so I think for marriage it does 18 and 16 for marriage right but, so, but for sex if I'm not mistaken yeah. but we can check on this so like 16. let's say it's like um, I don't know an 18 year old who sleeps with a 15 year old mm. and both consensual right I wouldn't call it rape. That's why I just feel... So my first problem with this situation is that she used the word rape uh, because I think that there should be a more... There should be a different word that we use. I think like sexual fraud or something like that would be more accurate because I think it's a... It's a different experience from people when there's a... When there's a violent nature to the, the act. So I feel like if it's, there's a violent nature, it should be rape. Then we should have a separate word to describe this experience. I don't think it should be conflated. I really don't. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I disagree with you on that mm, front. That's fair. Because I, I believe that um, sex without consent, even without the element of violence, 
is mm. still rape. Mm. Um, because the, the, the necessary element here is not violent but consent. Mm. And if that means, let's say, let's say you drug someone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there isn't violence there, but it's still a lack of consent. Mm. So um, to me, I agree that a lot of injustices have come out of the, out of this law, especially for underage sex. Yeah. But I think the law is there to err on the side of caution and protect those that who are otherwise aren't able to protect themselves. Sure. So for the benefit of doubt, not benefit or doubt, but like um, you make it illegal first. But I, I know for a fact that courts treat young offenders like 16 and 16 mm. um, for statutory rape a lot more lenient mm. than maybe a 30-year-old. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, again, I think it's, if that was the case, it is wrong. Like, for example, if someone were to give someone else HIV, of course, that is a big no. Obviously, that person would not have had sex with that person if they had known that they are HIV positive plus they are untreated or mm. they are not taking care of themselves in whatever way they need to. So, of course, it's a wrong. I just, I think the phrasing for me is very important. Mm. I think in the long run, it becomes very important. My second issue okay. is that later she put up all these tweets of all these different girls who had these experiences with Surin. But, and... Again, the problem of, comp, you know, like putting them all under one umbrella. Like these, these girls, it's definitely not an issue of rape. Um, a lot of them were like just really bad manners. Like, for example, if I text a girl and I say, hey, I'm only... Want sex. I only want sex. I'm only interested in sex. And if you feel offended by that, that's fine. It's not an illegal act. It's not an illegal act. It's just bad manners. And we can call it out, but call it out for what it is. We, like... We shouldn't, I think all our friends should feel safe in the way that they move around. They, they shouldn't be treated as only purely sexual beings. So that's why we have, have like ways that we regulate our speech, right? We all train to be polite, not say things that are not appropriate. That can go under that sphere, mm. but it's not a sexual <laughs> misconduct. And, you know, conflating things. Are they things, claiming that they are getting raped, the other see, women? The, the, the way Tashni kind of like, for Mila, she posted her thing and then she shows all these screenshots of these girls getting approached by Surin. Surin asking them to do all these different things. She's trying to build a narrative of Surin, of his character. Mm. And I just feel like that might not be accurate. I think that is the problem uh, currently when uh, women, it's a lot of people doubt women mm. when they tell these stories. Mm. So, I think there is there's this need mm. to want to either prove that yeah he's bad here, so he must have Be done bad. it for yeah. for me. I understand. And that. and also there are women who feel like they need to platform these other women to protect them. They feel like they are protecting other women from potentially a sexual predator because in her mind he is a sexual predator. Mm. And you know if if he did do the things that she claimed that he does, mm. uh, regardless if it's STIs or more, um, then to her. I am doing my job, you know, by telling people. Yeah. Um, I think it is sad that it has come to this, that people feel like the justice system has failed and that she cannot go through the proper channels in order to get her quote-unquote justice. That some women feel like the only way people can be accountable is to shame the name and shame them online. Mm. And while I sympathize that they had to go through this way, it's also sad that 
it has come to this. Mm. That is people that you know, people who are quote-unquote respected. And it's really ugly. Yeah. I think it's a very necessary conversation that's happening. And I'm glad that people are getting called out. But again, like uh, I think that's, we all have to go back and forth and have discussions about this in productive ways so that we kind of need yeah. to find a middle. Uh, because even we disagree. Yeah. And when I think that we're quite uh, <laughs> yeah, we're quite on the same I think level. we both want the same ending. We yeah, both yeah, want yeah. A con- the same conclusion, but maybe the how we got here and the uh, diagnosis might be... Uh, yeah, I guess it's different for me because I don't know both of them. I don't know them very well as well. Yeah. I, I am looking at it from an outsider lah. Even there's a more compelling discussion which I found interesting was that Surian was using his power as a very prominent young lawyer to sort of uh, cajole or sort of... Silence her. No, no. Uh, to sort of get younger like Chambis mm. or like um, young lawyers to sort of... He's sort of pressuring them mm. um, into the situation. That one also for me is a bit like... Mm, because... It's not like a law firm where, you know, your 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 boss is making moves on you. And if you say no, you're going to be affected by that. You know, it affects your career. When you're at a seminar and someone texts you, the power dynamic is different. And especially when you're quite close in age, I just feel this is a bit more, much more grey to me lah. Okay, I, I I agree that the power dynamics are different. But I think the question after this is, um, he is not arrested, right? No. I mean, he's not charged, he's not. Yeah. So the, the accusations that are leveled against him are all happening online, correct? Yeah. yeah. So the question is whether or not these women have a right to say those things or... Yeah. All right. So you disagree that they have a right to bring this up to light? No, no, no. I, I think that... Free for all, everyone. Yeah, you free know, for all. if if like I'm definitely glad because I Okay, we're on the same page then. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like um, But I should be able to criticize you if I think that yeah, it's not yeah, legit. Of course, of course. Like, all right, let's say these what this woman are saying is untrue. Yeah. That would really suck because that fuels that whole narrative that, you know, some guys are just some people are just out there get guys, you know, this character assassination, right? Yeah. But if what they're saying is true, then they have every right to raise those things. But okay, my, this is again another problem. This is something like the personality thing I was talking about. Like my, I feel like my position is controversial, but I feel like it's helpful. Even this conversation about power dynamics, I feel like it does more harm than good because the truth is, and this is what I found talking to my contemporaries, uh, women lawyers, right? It is natural to be attracted to people who are higher up in terms of competen- competency. It's it's natural. You have, I know some guys, right, who are like maybe in their 30s. They're bad looking dudes, right? <laughs> They're bad looking dudes. But, you know, this they are either getting chicks. Younger lawyers are really attracted to them. And it's because they're so competent. You know, they're so like confident because they, are higher up what they know how to handle the courts they know how to speak when they do case management they know how to deal with the situation you're attracted of course you'll be attracted to that right there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that but then when there is this attraction uh, do we say that the guy is abusing his power you know it. that's the thing I feel like we need to be very clear It's. it seems almost intuitive oh he's very successful she 
is young, so that means he has used her his power to sort so, sort of uh to pressure her into whatever. But we need to give more um power to women uh without saying that it's victim blaming. Tell women that they if you like someone, you like them. If you don't like them, you have to say no. If that person doesn't respect your no, we go after that guy, 100 percent But there's power in also being able to say no. Yeah, I think when it comes to power dynamics, I mean, let's just get it clear that I have nothing wrong with women attracted to older guys because <laughs> they are competent. Yeah. I think good for you. You want a guy who's reliable. Yeah. But I think it gets murky if um consent is not actually consent. That you are um you are in a sexual relationship with someone because you feel pressured to do so. I think when it comes to adults because we have to recognize that these are adults i think it gets very different if it's a child because mm. then you're child grooming right 100%. so so the dynamics is different so if you're looking at adults and older guy and a younger woman um having sexual relations having that kind of power dynamics then it's consenting because they're both adults they're able to understand the consequences mm. as opposed to a guy and a child who is who where the guy has sort of manufactured this trust or cultivated this trust make her do uncomfortable things because you know he is in a position of power create that love and relationship because um unfortunately most of the rape cases that happen in Malaysia are with underage children mm. uh, with minors and <laughs> overwhelmingly the perpetrators are not just someone they know but their father so number one is father number two is father number three is stepfather Damn. just yeah so that's the power dynamics we cannot take that same power dynamics um and sort of export it in a situation where we have consenting adults and where the lines are not as blurred That being said, I do recognize that sexual harassment is a huge problem and that there are power there are things at play that makes it very hard for women to say no mm. or very hard for women to voice out their discomfort. Let's say for example, um so this is more black and white law. So obviously if your boss says something inappropriate, mm. you feel unsafe, it's very hard for you to say something, right? Yeah. But that's clear we're both clear in that like i know i know of a, a law firm where the partner uh, always gets his female associates to hug him harassment yeah, 100%, 100% harassment i've tried to get these girls to like come together and do something launch something against yeah. this lawyer but it's so difficult because he is so well known and they're not going to get much out of it and it doesn't make sense to jeopardize their yeah. careers when they're so young so i understand harassment and i think we should combat it mm. 100% yeah yeah but um so the lines are blurred mm. is when they're both consensual yeah. but one is their boss yeah. is that the case it becomes more complicated but then it's not rape right that's not rape <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know lah. If you follow the the consent argument, can be a bit tricky lah. Like, mm. can you fully consent when it's like, for example, you're pressured? Like, what happens if it's a? It's very normal for lawyers to uh, hook up with their clerks. Mm. The power dynamic is there. So actually, I'm kind of a proponent of not having any relationships. I think companies should have a no dating within the, no, the company. No, I, I agree. But 
But then again, I met my uh, husband through work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he's my contemporary. He's not my boss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're but, the same age. Yeah, but and the moment you say that, no to dating within a company structure, it becomes forbidden fruit and people want to do it more. So that also is another thing. So... Yeah, know. but I think having conversations like this is important mm. because there's just so much shame surrounding um, these issues. And if there's anything good that came out of this whole ordeal is that people are talking about it. People are talking about what it means to consent yeah. because to everybody, consent is yes or no. Yeah, But consent can come in with conditions. Sometimes your consent says, I consent if you do this, then that. Um, so if you actually lied or if you don't do those things, is it consent? So yeah. it's it sparks those very important and conversations. Also more on the other side, we also, with this consent conversation, we also recognize that a guy can approach you and ask you or even proposition you in many ways. Uh, and you exercising your consent is the ability to, be con- to confidently say, no, no thanks. And knowing that when he passes that line, like when you say no and he still trying to pressure you, then, uh, okay, this is someone who's not respecting my boundaries. But, yeah, I'm, but I'm also an advocate of asking for consent. Mm. Like, a lot of um, people nowadays are saying, oh, then I kind of don't know when um, a girl consents, you know? What if we're in the heat of the moment? You know, you kind of want to make it romantic. I, I feel like you should just normalize <laughs> consent. Just ask. Yeah. Like, a woman shouldn't have to feel like she needs to put her foot down and say specifically, get out of my house or get out of my room to feel like, you know, like, just ask guys. And anybody, <laughs> any guys listening here and say like, oh, it's kind of difficult for me to know when she wants it or when she doesn't want it, just ask. Normalize yeah. asking. And don't wait until she says no <laughs> yeah. to find out. The, the problem is, I think, especially a lot of younger guys, the desire to hook up or to, you know, score in whatever level you're planning to score is so high that you will do whatever strategy you can do to, to get that. But that's know. messed up also why we glorify conquest. But it's not really a conquest. It's more like hunger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being 100 here. Okay, it's true. <laughs> there are a lot of horny guys out there. Especially these younger kids, right? They're just like, you know, their hormones are burnt. Must have been. <laughs> 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 I mean, I think I they're think probably bored of doing that at, at, at MCO. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, there are things that you can do to pleasure yourself. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, so wow, how did it get here? <laughs> I really have no idea. I've been having this problem. I've been pivoting a lot in you know, my podcast conversations, and then I forget how we got where we got. No, but I like I like the diversity in the views. Yeah. Yeah. What were you we talking about? How did we come here? Why no. did we start talking about Surin and Tashni? Um, we were talking about consent. We were talking about um, babies. We spoke yeah. about... We, we I think about we are, rape culture if you want. That's going, a huge issue now. We are following like uh, sort of the reproductive... Like yeah, we spoke yeah, about yeah. The, having kids and then... Abortion. Like the pros, and the then process. safe sex. <laughs> and then rape. <laughs> this is like a real like... Uh, sex positive uh, well not sex positive real uh, sexually themed uh, yeah, episode but I think it's so great because we're actually quite divided on those two issues yeah yeah so I could go on and I'm sure you can too <laughs> yeah but that's why like for me and this is something that you know is changing for me like how much 
how do I say this properly? When I was younger, it was so helpful to be Christian for me. Uh, and that's why I was such a, you know, I was such a big proponent of it because it helped me navigate this like complicated issues very easily, you know, like for me, sex was until you get married, you know, and that's it. So even though I was hard, but I lived my life. I lived it was hard and <laughs> I was hard. <laughs> What the? Heck? You said I was hard, but no, oh my bad. <laughs> it was difficult. It was hard. I mean, it was difficult. This is going horribly wrong. This is going horribly, horribly. It wrong. was hard. And it then... was difficult. It was difficult. <laughs> but um, you know, I it it helped me conduct my life in a particular way. Like, um, a lot of girls that I dated in the past, even though our relationships end, they were always like um. But again, this could be my people-pleaser thing as well. But anyway, they were always like really appreciative because they always knew I respected this area. Boundary. Because I was taught from a young age that... You see, a lot of people, you know, tell me that Catholics are very repressive when it comes to sex. I, a lot of Catholics tell me that. But I'm like, I don't feel that way because for me, it was very liberating because uh, I could know what is the maximum I can do without fear of... I never had to be afraid that I was going to knock a girl up. <laughs> There's no, I had some friends telling me like, yeah, bro, I've done three pregnancy tests already. <gasps> I'm like, damn, son, what are you doing? <laughs> You're playing with fire. And, you know, they tell me how relieved they are after they find out that the girl's not pregnant. I'm like, dude. But I never had that. I've never had to f be afraid that I got an STD. Never had to. Or afraid that somebody else would claim that she got an STD <laughs> yeah. from you. <laughs> I can 100% tell you, Aiza. It's not... I'm so confident no one is ever going to call me out on Twitter <laughs> for any sexual misconduct. Then you're in a good place in comparison with a lot of men nowadays. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm a little bit more brave to speak on these yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's why I, I, I just found that area to be helpful. I, I feel like in this, we talk about how sex needs to be more accepted but I feel like it, when we overcorrect, when we treat sex like it's free and easy, sex is powerful. I think that's the conversation we should be having, that sex is super powerful. No, you're right. Even if you are liberal and you feel like anybody should, above 18, should be able to have sex as long as you're consenting. We need to tell our kids, the young people, that sex is powerful and it affects, it's not just biological, it's emotional, you know. And in a way, it's kind of also spiritual, in the way that you connect to another person. And you know the betrayal that comes when you break that trust, especially when you're not... Yeah. yeah. If you're in a relationship, right, and mm. you cheat, right, adultery, mm. it's one of the biggest form of betrayal. Yeah. And you're absolutely right when it comes... Uh, sex has power. Uh, a lot of the reason why um, people rape other people is not because of they want sex mm. but rather it's the power that it gives the perpetrators when they do it if you look at back in the day when it comes to wars um, raping women local women is a form of power it's a form of exerting your dominance over the people that you have conquered it is also a form of reward if you fought hard valiantly you won this is your reward 40 virgins or like <laughs> the women in the, the camp because sex has that ability to harm as well as to, I don't know, feel connected with someone if you're in a loving relationship. And we shouldn't forget then that sex, as much as possible, I know the logic in terms of normalizing sex, in terms of not making it a big deal because so many people put it on a pedestal. 
So um, let's say you have a one night stand or a relationship doesn't work out. A lot of women sort of feel dirty. They feel like they made a mistake. They um, they feel like they've been, I, I don't know, I guess ravaged. The defiled. Wrong. Yeah, defiled. Mm. Yes. Especially when people put it at such a high pedestal, like you should go into a marriage as a virgin. Then these women feel lesser, less than. So I understand the sentiment of wanting to normalize sex that is not such a big deal that you have to feel like you are filthy or dirty. But at the same time, we cannot run away from the fact that to a lot of people, sex is still a symbol of power that can be weaponized. Mm. Um, so it's two sides of a coin that I think a lot of people still struggle with. And even with Malays, right, for Malay guys, like they would boast amongst each other about how many girls that they sleep with, but the wife that they want, they want a virgin. Yeah, you know that you have that common. double standard and it shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it's common. You either take one, you either believe in one or the other, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that way. It's like um, religious people. I think um, they 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 are, their fingers on the pulse in the sense that they recognize that uh, sex is important, and that in fact it could destroy uh, society. Right? It could it 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 could destroy relationships, and in um, the wider sense, it could destroy a lot of relationships in a society. Right? Even polyamorous relationships. Even people who are polyamorous recognize how difficult it is to sustain hmm. polyamorous relationships. So yeah. not it takes a very specific type of person to be able to be in a polyamorous relationship. And there are actually, I think, very, very few. Um, but in this desire to sort of protect all of us from it, I think more harm could is probably done because you repress. And when you repress, it manifests in weird, weird hmm. ways, lah. Mm. And also if you feel a lot of shame um, towards something when it's repressed and you feel like, or if you do the act and then you feel ashamed, I think the girl who dump her baby, um, who, anyone who carries out baby dumping probably feels so much shame that they can't talk to anybody about it, that they have to go to such drastic measures, maybe um, alleyway abortion or throwing away the babies. Um in order to solve this problem. It's crazy. A lot of those stories, like they don't even know they're pregnant. Yeah. It's, it's mad lah. I, I, I think these girls in particular, they probably even didn't know what sex was. You know, they probably, probably didn't have any idea what was going on. For them, it was just, you know, something that sort of happened as it went along. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, yeah, sex again. We are back at sex. <laughs> But I, again, I, I think we, like all the things that we've spoken about, right? About empowering women, about sex, about consent. I think like it's such complicated issues, but we shouldn't have only one solution. Like like you talk a lot about systematic change, right? We have to fix the systems that yeah. create the problem. I had an incident uh, recently. So I, I, I managed this room on Clubhouse where we were talking about violence against women. And then we had, um, so you, 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 I'm sure, I know you got an iPhone just to get our Clubhouse. Yeah. Can, we, can we do a Clubhouse session? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can do it. Okay, so this story, we spent an hour talking hey, sorry. about. I just want to say, I just want to say, I got an iPhone, a second iPhone just to get on Clubhouse. I told Kelvin so excitedly, hey bro, I got the iPhone, can we do a Clubhouse? session he was like I'm over I, it. I actually have 
a lot of bad things to say about Clubhouse. I was like, damn it, Kelvin. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, sorry you were saying. Oh, no. I mean, I love the idea of Clubhouse. You know, if we have time, we should do mm. we should do a room. So basically, I spent about an hour talking to some really prominent, like, key opinion leaders in women's rights. Um, because this was in conjunction with Aisa, International Women's Day. Aisa, Aisa, I remember why I brought up the Surin Tashni thing now. Oh, what? I remember now why I brought it up. We were talking about... Okay, wait. Pin, pin okay, what you okay, want to okay, tell okay, me. Okay. Pin it, huh? Okay. No. We were talking about how uh, women who are activists or who are feminists, when their friends become... Ah, so why the hypocrisy. I, why I brought up the Surin Tashni thing is because Siti Kasim went on Twitter and was defending Surin. Mm. And Siti Kasim is so well known yeah, as yeah, 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 a person yeah, 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 who is yeah. so... For the minority, yeah, you know, always... Orang Asi rights, yeah, everything. Yeah, 100%. And even Bar Council also, like WhatsApp messages leaked from the WhatsApp... Uh, she was the, defending him, right? Not only Siti Kasim, but other so female many, lawyers yeah. who are very, you know, empowered, you know, said some things in the WhatsApp message showing support for Surin. And so it's like a funny thing, you know, like when, when you're outside of it, it's easy to sort of like, oh, of course that's horrible. But when one of your own friends or your circle people do it then it becomes a bit more trickier la. have you seen a promising young lady it sounds so familiar it is a movie that is absolutely you have to watch it but basically in that movie they casted all the guys in that movie as good guys like hmm. every people that you would see on shows that hmm. are seen as decent guys is it a drive series? On, it's a movie. Okay. To drive home this message that anybody can be a perpetrator. Oh, is it that Charlie Saron? Um, no, I forgot. Um, you know, Great Gatsby, the main girl, the blonde girl, she's in that one. I forgot. These I'm really guys, bad with names. Wait, yeah, me. So hundred percent. I'm really bad with so names. So this guy, these the guys will like try and pick up from the bar, but she's just pretending, right? Yeah, she's pretending to be drunk. Right. She's pretending to be drunk so that she can... Um, What's the name of the movie again? Sorry. A Promising Young Woman or a Promising Young Lady. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, so in that movie, it highlighted the fact that anybody, they can be absolutely like an upstanding citizen. Mm-hmm. But if they did a, a something wrong, then they did something wrong. And that movie, they it's casted... Carrie Mulligan. They casted all the guys mm. in that movie as... The people who would be typically casted as good guys. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy, new girl. You yeah. know, he's in there, but yeah, he's actually yeah. evil. So th- that's the messaging that they wanted. Oh um, yeah, Max uh, Greenfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Brody okay. is the guy you from You know why OC. people do this? Why? You know why victim blaming is such a big thing? Like, because you cannot fathom the idea that why would people blame the victim? Why would they ask what she was wearing, whether or not she was drinking, where she was walking, what time she was out? It's because of this idea that the world, bad things only happen to bad people. Hmm. So you you are rationalizing bad things because God forbid something bad happened to you even though you are not wrong. 100%. So that's the reason why people continuously ask these questions because if it can happen to an innocent girl damn it can happen to me we hate chaos yeah we hate chaos so we're rationalizing this she must have done something she must have done something for a guy to rape her and it's the same here the reason why you're defending your friend because you it can't be it can't be let's say if he did it Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he did it but it can't be that he does something like that because rapists are are horrible people are, it's not people that I like people who I have a relationship with because if he can be a rapist then anybody can be a rapist so I think that fuels our need for um, 
order, our need to be certain that some people are bad and some people are good, but some people are good and still do bad things. We have this whole huge issue about whether or not to take down statues in Malay uh, in in the U.S. because you have people who donated lots of money for uh, universities for poor people, but at the same time they were slavers. Mm. So it is not black and white. You mm. can. They can be accountable for their actions. You can condemn them for their actions, but still recognize that they did do some good. Yeah, you know. In fact, some of them they would have they could have done a lot of good, uh, but they have, uh, like for example, George Washington. Yeah, George Washington is actually a great president. If you think how forward thinking he is, like the fact that he limited, uh, you know, he was the one who started the president of like, if you're a president. Um, Two terms, max. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very forward thinking because, you know, like Alexander Hamilton at the time was still sort of a proponent for a monarchy. Mm. It wasn't off the tables that the American uh, system could have been structured with a, with a king. Mm. But for George Washington to give power away, it's actually a very, very yeah. forward thinking t- thing to do. But George Washington was also a slaver. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. There's that disconnect, right? Yeah. So I... Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah, no, but I was saying that uh, also, I think, like I said, like we need, because we're talking about systems, right? You, like we need to fix systems, but we also need to empower individuals as well. So it, it has to go both ways. Mm. I'm not saying that we victim blame in the sense that we say that because you wore something, you deserve to get what you got. Of course not. But we also have to talk to young women and young men about the dangers that are out there and protecting yourself. Like, for example, telling a, a woman or a, a girl or a, a, sorry, a young woman or a man, if you're going out drinking in a new place, watch out for people who, who might spike your drink. You know, how do you drink your drinks? Don't just take a drink. You know, you go to the bathroom, don't give your drink to a random person, hold it for you. These conversations, I think, are important. Yeah, okay. So this is where we agree. Oh my God, it's going to get controversial. <laughs> yes, okay, well, Aisa, I speak agree. your truth, Aisa. All right, do you remember truth. about the London, um, what's her name? That girl who got raped and murdered by a police officer. Do you remember no, that incident I don't, recently? I, don't, I, don't remember that. I can't remember her name, but it sparked a lot of debate because um, when that happened, a lot of people... so. The story was, I can't remember her name, but there was this um, woman who left her house in the middle of the night and as she went missing. It turns out she was raped and murdered by a police officer. This happened recently this year. Damn. So, Wait, the, sorry, where was this? In London. In London, all right. So it sparked a huge debate because when that happened, a lot of people were asking things like, what was she wearing? How come she was going out at night? And, and things like that. And people were like saying that you shouldn't go out at night. People were saying that um, uh, women should stay home, especially during this time. And this goes back to, do you know the Jack the Ripper um, during that, that time? Jack mm. the Ripper when he was going out murdering people? Yeah, instead of, prostitutes. Uh, yeah, instead of trying to um, find, the, of course they did investigate it. But a lot of the things that they were trying to do to keep women safe were saying things like stay at home, don't go out. But uh, the reason why a lot of people had a problem with that is why do I have to go out of my way to make sure I am safe and protected? Why can't it also be about making men accountable and telling them that they shouldn't spike other people's drink? Why must the responsibility be on women wholly and absolutely to make sure that she has contraceptive, to make sure that she is going out at the right time? And while we do this, 
and then they call this concern trolling that you know you shouldn't go out you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that yes it is for your own safety but you also solidify this idea that the duty to protect yourself is on you Mm. that if you don't protect yourself if you don't take active steps to protect the self, yourself and something bad happened to you mm. it is your fault though it may not be the case mm. that may not be your intention but that messaging is there and that's why victim blaming continue, continue to persist I'm not saying that you shouldn't tell your sisters your mom your um, female colleagues that they shouldn't they should be more careful. It's just that we also have to also tell our male colleagues, our our sons to respect women. And yeah. like to, if you see someone doing something bad, call them up. If you see someone saying a rape joke, like reprimand them. Like I, I can't even believe that this issue with a 17-year-old girl joking about um, telling the world about how her male PE teacher makes rape jokes that there are people supporting and protecting the men yeah, yeah. and people are not supporting her. So even though she called that behavior out. So I don't know. It's, it has to be a multi-lateral, I don't know if that's the right word, multi-variant. There must be multiple ways that we deal with a particular problem. Like for example, like if I'm driving, uh, I know that if I park in open space, I shouldn't leave my laptop on my back seat. Or even my bag, I shouldn't leave my bag in the back seat. If someone hits my window and takes my bag, my parents will ask me, why did you put the mm. your bag in the back seat? I I wouldn't say, why are you victim blaming me? Of course, you yeah, know, of, yeah, of, true, course, of course, I wish we lived in a world where I could, and maybe there are parts of the world where you could leave your bag at the back seat. But unfortunately, right now, the reality, it's not. And so, but is I it your have, fault though? Well, do you deserve your bag being stolen? Well, that's uh, I don't deserve it, but I could have been more prudent, hundred mm. percent. You know, that's the, that's that's so tricky, right? It's, because uh, it is, yeah. it is. There's a fine line la, between victim blaming and also at the same time empowering people that they have the agency. Right. Yeah, they have agency. They have You're agency. right. I remember there was a girl in KL, I think mm. I was reading. If I'm not mistaken, it happened in KL, but she was backpacking. It might be somewhere else. God. But she was backpacking and she was into like, kind of like um, BDSM sort of encounters and she would meet random people. And then later she was found uh, choked. Oh my gosh. Right? But the thing is, you have to understand the risk when you meet random people off Tinder and you participate in things like this. There is a risk that we have to be able to talk about without that being victim blaming. Because if not, a lot of people are going to do things and they're going to be like um, chickens that don't know that the fox is nearby. Mm -hmm. So it's a, you have to, it's a fine balance. La. It's a fine balance. I think that we can be cautious without being, um, how do I say, not say judgmental, without, um, we can question it in this space where we're having conversation. But when it trickles down to the justice system, that mm. to me is a problem. Mm. Because when the judge asks you, do you want it? Are you sure you didn't consent? Mm. And it affects your ability to obtain justice, then that's a problem. To me, mm. then it becomes an issue when it becomes, when, how do I say, when it becomes a condition in the courtroom to see how you address where you're at, whether then it becomes very tricky. Yeah. And also I think it's counterproductive 
when, like for example, if my bag is stolen, I think it's counterproductive for my parents to immediately tell me that I was stupid for leaving my bag on the chair. I think it's really... Or like if you go to court, the uh, the, the criminal will say, hey, negligence, <laughs> contributory negligence, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and say yeah. that, you know, I should pay for a certain amount, but not all because you contributed to your own error. Yeah. I think, it, it, yeah. If, if, uh, if a, I think if someone has been harassed and you tell them that, what, what did you wear? I think that's stupid because I think that's counterproductive. That doesn't help anybody. But like, for example, I think it's fair game if you're going out and your parents uh, tell you, uh, you sure you want to dress that way? I think that's fair game because they're just trying to articulate that there are some weirdos out there. You need to be careful. You need to take care of yourself. And we shouldn't, I don't, I think we should be slow in saying that that is victim blaming, right? Because they make fair points. The world, unfortunately, that we live in, you know, it's, they just don't want you to get hurt lah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I feel so sad though because um, I remember in one of our Women With Words um, meeting, there was a girl, she's 16 years old. She basically told us in the meeting that she feels so sad to be born a woman uh, a girl because she has to be careful when she goes out. She can't wear crop tops mm. because her family doesn't allow her because something bad may happen to her if she goes out dressed like that. And she genuinely feels like that she was born um, in an unfortunate gender. That was the um, the JK Rowling kind of scandal because she, she was sort of making the argument that how many women transition to becoming men because they're so unhappy at being a woman in today's society. Yeah, and I really feel for her when she said that because I truly believe um, there was a TED Talk and I always say this, but mm. it's called Teach Girls Bravery, Not Perfection. Because girls are not socialized to be brave. You tell girls all the time before they go out of their house to be careful, to not make eye contact. And I am one of those people. Like the only movie my dad made me watch is Taken. <laughs> to understand the... No, the reason why he did that was to show you that whatever happens to you, he will come and he will find <laughs> you. He, will, he has a specific yeah. set of skills and he knows how to yeah, use them. Yeah, and today he is vaccinated, guys. <laughs> he will come after you. Yeah, but... I wasn't thought to be brave. Right, right, right. right. And I wish I was because mm. maybe I wouldn't be such a people pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. I get what you're yeah. saying. Um, Abigail is in your... Yeah, she is. She's Shout out to Abigail. She loves your show, by the way. She's she's very nice. She's like a, she's a full-on supporter since day one. Yeah, and she even referenced your show when we were talking about things like affirmative action because you're um, you know, you're against affirmative action, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Abigail. Thank you for your support. Shout out, Abigail. Uh, you remember I asked you to pin... I asked you to pin your, your thought. Oh, sh... <laughs> you forgot the thing. No, okay, okay, I remember. Okay, okay, okay. All right, this is another thing. We called that room domestic um, violence against women. And I have been called out for calling it that, that it should be male violence because the attention shouldn't be on women. Rather mm. than it should be on men. So anyways, um, we had a long conversation about how women are prejudiced, how oppressed, how COVID-19 makes it worse because they can't get access to justice. And when we were opening the floor to anybody who wants to ask a question, there was a guy who unmuted himself and basically said this. I, I beat my wife every day. Huh? And if I ask her to make breakfast and she, if she doesn't make it for me, I will feed her to the dogs. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Where was... This was in... Uh, on the clubhouse. Damn. And then I was in such shock because I couldn't believe what I heard. I actually said, sorry, come again. 
and he repeated himself. What the heck? And I was so enraged, Roshan. I I was speechless for a second, and then I basically said, um. I basically called him out and I said, I can't believe you're saying that after one hour of us talking about how it's horrible, um, uh, how there's inequality in the world for men to treat women differently because they see them as property. They, you know, I, but that moment shook me mm. and everybody in that panel was also like, I remember everybody reacting in a calm manner and I felt like I was the only one that was enraged. Damn. Like suddenly a panelist went up and talked about how sometimes religion is used as a way to blah, 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 blah. But I remember like, what the hell? Can you believe that he waited till the end to say something and he repeated himself and he left. So he did that and then he left. Just to like, so people are saying, oh, he's just joking. He's just trolling. I have people whom I know come to me and say, oh, he's just a troll. He's just joking. I'm like, that's more fucked up, right? Yeah. That you would stay in the conversation, make that joke and leave and not be accountable for your actions. Yeah. But at the same time, I was so upset and I was so angry because I felt like I platformed him. Right. Like I asked him to repeat himself right. and that everybody in that room who agreed with him probably laughed at me. <laughs> but at the same time, after really ruminating and reflecting, I am glad not that he said those things, but rather it came up because it was an opportunity to debunk that sentiment. Right. That he would have said those things in close spaces to his male friends and there'll be nobody saying that what he's saying is wrong. Or even if it's a joke, it is fucked up that you would joke about then. Yeah. So while it left a sour taste in my mouth, I'm glad that that conversation happened because at least it was, he said something that a lot of people believed or agreed with. So it's the same here. While I may not agree with some things that people say, I think it's good to get it out that at least we can address it, you know. That's crazy though. That's a mad... Damn. That, with Clubhouse, do you actually put your real name or is it like a, a username? Sort you, of? You, you're supposed to put your real name. We found his Instagram, but it was private and it doesn't look... I don't know if it's real, but we made a... We, we basically... um We basically pinned the guy. Um, I think my friend who's another moderator um, reported him that he was saying inappropriate things. But that's another thing as well. What's inappropriate? What's... Does he have a right to say that? No, but Should we silent him? Do we have... Let's say that he didn't... Let's say he didn't leave. Do I have a right to kick him out? Yeah, but that's why you when know? I was talking... Even when I was talking in your episode, I don't know if you remember, but I said that when I was talking about having genuine conversations, I prefaced it by saying that... Not prefaced. Constructive. I, not only constructive, but I said like, I'm not talking about people who are just not bona fide in the discussions. That these are just like sort of like... um you know, they're, they're just tricksters. They're like low-key kind of characters. They, <laughs> they just feed, you know, some people just feed off chaos. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's impossible to talk to people who just feed off chaos. You have to be careful in who we paint. But you can tell when someone is having a genuine conversation. Like we are having a genuine conversation. Like when I talk about abortion, it's not because I'm trying to troll anyone. It's also not because I want to oppress anyone. I'm genuinely... Or even to convince me to that for that matter. Yeah, I'm just expressing what I think to be a, a rational uh, set of ethical values, right? And we can challenge each other on that. But when, you know, like anarchists, when they say, oh, every, you know, like everything is just chaos, you know, that, no lah. I, I, yeah. There's no point talking to people like that. It shook me that even if it's a joke, because people try to comfort me by saying it's a joke. I think it's more messed up that it's a joke. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's not okay. even funny. It's not even... Like, what is the joke here? 
Mm. I don't know. That's bad. Um, who? Okay, nothing. What's that? <laughs> no, I can't believe that we've been talking for <laughs> two hours. Yeah. Yeah. We should wrap up soon. Yeah. There's one thing I want to get your opinion on. Hmm. I was reading this article. Because it comes back to this thing where I feel like we shouldn't have a one-way approach to dealing with problems, right? And I feel like in a lot of these like controversial issues, my approach is more like a, a different route that is a bit more controversial. But I read this thing by, you know Lizzo? Yeah. Okay. Lizzo was talking about thin privilege. And she was saying that how like most people who are overweight or heavy are people who are... She's basically making the case that the system creates sort of overweight people in a way. Because if you think about it, it's the people who are lowest in the denominator who are not don't have access to food, don't have good food, nutrition, nutrition education. Mm. They don't have access to um um what is this? Uh nutrition. Also like um Places to work out, for example, like yeah. they don't have access to PTs and and things and like that. Sometimes they don't have the time. They don't have the time <laughs> to and all these things. Work on their health, right? So and then she was saying that how uh, she feels like the black people in particular have uh, suffered the worst uh, because of this, and she was making the issue of she's making the the case that a lot of body positivity has hijacked the overweight cause because. Overweight people made it. She, in her words, I mean, overweight people were the first to say it's okay to be overweight, and after that came like, oh, it's okay to be thin, it's okay to be tall, it's okay to be short, and so she has an issue with that because she feels like that's all privilege. Like you complaining that you're thin, too thin, is privilege, right? It's thin privilege because people who are overweight actually are struggling with a lot of different things. And I found her arguments really, really interesting. I mean, I'm someone who struggles with like weight issues, right? And I find it like, oh, that's very interesting. I can see that, but I also think it's like bullshit at the same time. <laughs> Part of me, like, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, so what? I people in our day, even if that's the system, and we can try, we we should try and fix that. We should try and get uh, people better food and better education. But the person still needs to get up and work out. The person still needs to eat properly. You know, we are all adults. We are all responsible. We the, the cars are dealt in a particular way and we have to do what we have to do. That's the problem. And I think when we only talk about systemic oppression, which is legit, mm. it happens. But we also need to talk about the role of the individual to like rise above those things. And both these conversations should be having at, happening at the same time. Because if not, it sounds ridiculous. Because if we talk about the individual, but the system is stacked against them, also it sounds ridiculous. But if you talk only about fixing the system, but the individual doesn't do anything, also it sounds ridiculous. So there must be, I know it's not sexy to say this, but it must. there must be a middle way. Lah. No, I think it's, I think that's totally fine to say that. Because like, even if you look at International Women's Day, right, this year's theme is Choose to Challenge. It's the idea that we have power and we have the responsibility, in fact, to change the things around us that we don't like. Mm. So it was a call to action to women and men all over the world to challenge things that are unfair or unjust. And yeah, as much as we can say that victim blaming is, <laughs> how do I say, as much as we can blame bigger players and systems out there, it's still wrong for that teenager to throw her baby out. She has the responsibility. She has a choice. She made that choice. Mm. And you're right. We should still spotlight that wrong. Mm. 
as long as we do both, mm-hmm. I think we are in a good place. We can still tell our children. And I'm pretty sure that when I have children in the future, I will still tell her, <laughs> be careful when you go out. There are some fuckers out there who will take advantage of you. Yeah. But at the same time, you're right. She has a choice um, to do what's best for her. And men also should take notice of the fact that if a girl is drunk outside or in a club, doesn't mean she wants it either. Yeah. So you're right, we should see everything. And I think the problem is, is when we start um, v- villainizing, is that the is that a right I word? I think when we become tribal, it becomes a bit of an issue. We start blaming other people right. um, for, because we're all pieces in a bigger system, right? So if we start only looking at one thing and blaming others for not looking at the other thing, then it's going to be problematic. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm for or against um, because like in the US US now, right? People are saying it's not okay to just not be racist. You got to be anti-racist. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And if you're not anti-racist, you are part of the problem. Yeah. But that alienates those groups. And it's the same reason why so many men feel victimized by the Me Too movement because they don't feel included in the movement because they feel like they're being blamed. You know that what that means? Yeah. As in like, so we sh- in the process of solving problems, you're right, we shouldn't alienate individuals can that can hop on the same train as us. And we all like want to be heroes like, in every day. And when you're, especially because you affiliate yourself to a particular tribe, whether it's the color of your skin or your, your gender. And I also try, I'm try, trying to be cautious in a way I myself because I recognize that, you know, I affiliate with being a man and I affiliate with being Indian. And so, I affiliate with Western culture. So sometimes I automatically put myself in these tribes. And when the tribe is attacked, I feel attacked. And so you need to be very, very careful in, you know, navigating those things. Mm. However progressive you are. Um, Yeah, it's a good conversation, Aisa. Yeah, I hope I don't get hate for this. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I think... <laughs> I think you have already cultivated <laughs> enough hate. I'm super nice, by the way. See? Oh, I'm we, really we, nice, we, right? <laughs> People pleaser in me. <laughs> we, we started off by like, saying there's a beef, but we pretty much agreed on almost... Well, no, we didn't really agree. We reconciled our differences. Yeah. A lot of different things. Beef quashed? Beef quashed. I mean, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, okay, so if uh, people want to find you, what 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 is what what should people look out for? What like I like so women for words, men can't join that, right? Yeah, sorry, right, I think there's no enough spaces for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So, so what, uh, what, where where can people go to find you? So you can find us on all of our socials at Seek to Speak. Um, we also have a female speaking club, which we meet bi-weekly. Mm. So every second and last week of the month, we meet online to talk about different issues. You can find updates on my female speaking club on Facebook. Is is this women for words thing just a way for you to build some sort of army? What, to go against you? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. How did you find <laughs> that out? Because <laughs> oh sometimes I We're going to get a director assassination in the future. Some, some Twitter wall. Sometimes I feel some of those videos of those, um, the, the women who with their, you know, their, their posts, they share their, and you share it. They share their words and you post it, right? Hmm. I feel like it's targeted towards me. So. Okay. That's all you <laughs> feeling like the world revolves around you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's, I always like look through and I'm like, is Aisa trying to say something to me? Honestly, the battle is just I wouldn't have known that you even had a beef with me if I didn't listen to Kelvin's episode. So I was just like, oh okay. <laughs> I guess I'm at war. <laughs> I guess that's the way it has to go. Okay, yeah. So sorry, you are seek to speak women with words. What else is that? You- yeah, that's all. Um, we are starting a community that is mm. not women centric. Mm. Um, we're hopeful to become an, a society in the future that encourages free speech and the right to expression. So we're currently looking for members. If you're interested, you can sign up on our bio link at Seek to Speak's Instagram. Uh, right now, the majority of those who signed up are women. Mm. <laughs> but please sign up if you're a male. I mean, um, especially. Your, your groundwork so far has been women. So yeah. that there would be, you know, you just We had about. guys who signed up, but they just never showed up for the meeting. I don't know if they got <laughs> suddenly intimidated. Yeah. That's funny. Guys who signed up, um, please do show up. It's okay. We won't bite. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay. So let's do recommendations. One thing that you would like to recommend could be a movie, series, book, or anything to consume. A promising young lady. Oh, promising. woman. Is it a promising young woman? Uh, I actually did open it just now. Uh, promising young, young woman. Young Yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, I would recommend... I, I started reading this book by Jody Pico. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found in his car. And they're like, are you reading chiclet? <laughs> I want to be challenged. I've never heard anyone pick up a chiclet book and say, I want to be challenged. Yeah, I was like... Uh, you, I'm surprised you read this and I'm like, I want to be challenged. Well, it's okay <laughs> if you lit. like chick lit. It's okay. Lit, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually just re- recommending it because I pointed it out. Uh, but it's been a, it's not really something that I read. Um, I just read it for fun. It sounded like an interesting premise. Um, it, so far, it's been okay. I... <laughs> lot of romance <laughs> more than I, uh, I bargain like. for because the way the book is like oh it's like about Egyptian uh, 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 Egyptian professor who decides not to uh, to follow that career she goes through like an airplane crash and decides to in that moment and she becomes a dead doula which is like a person who assists people who are dying when she almost experiences her death she decides to turn back and look at the, the way she could have gone. Mm. So, the premise sounded really interesting. But when I started reading it... If it's chick lit, 100% <laughs> there'll be romance. Just when so I you know. When I started reading it, I realised that this is really, really romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, she wasn't examining um, the job she could have, the, the career she could have. Fo- if that's just context... <laughs> She was examining the guy she could have followed, who happens to also be another professor. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, read it if you want to be challenged. Yeah. Oh, wait, one more, a uh, mm. few other recommendations. Um, I just wanted to say one more thing. We're starting this new thing where we talk about speeches. It's called speech sessions because, you know, people go online and have episodes on books, on films, but nobody yeah. talks about speeches that move people, move You, you know, um, I countries. had an idea for another podcast mm. where I would just read Famous speeches. Yeah, 
Let's do it. <laughs> or let's you can do it. Do it. You no, can, let's like, we, we can, can do it together. I, uh, yes, we are. Me and Isa are, are committing to a new podcast. <laughs> you heard it first. There's a podcast coming soon. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, some of the words that you use are just so amazing. I did it. Beautiful. No, it's not only um speeches, but I was thinking about like love letters. Like you know, Napoleon wrote to um I can't remember the name of the lady, but he wrote very beautiful love letters and uh even things like. Letters that Ernest Hemingway wrote, not like hmm. don't have to read the book, not don't have to snippets, yeah. Like and in fact, their letters is also something completely different from the books that they write, right? Mm. Isn't it? Yeah. So I thought that would be an interesting idea. Yeah, you heard it first, an exclusive. We're gonna do it, lah. <laughs> Launch podcast because we're not already busy <laughs> pleasing people. <laughs> oh no, we just people please ourselves to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Somebody should say it's a bad idea, dude. <laughs> you you were like, oh, I think I was planning to, you know, do this thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was not doing that. Then you were like, I- I'll join you. <laughs> so uh, inviting each other. That's so funny. Anyway, I saw. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank uh, you for allowing me to defend myself. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Hopefully, you you'll come on better circumstances next time around. That's up to you, Roger. <laughs> Uh, all those of you who are listening especially Abigail uh, actually there's a funny thing that happened the other day I, I, just to end with this uh, because I think it's really really nice so I just want to shout this guy out when I was chambering I had a, a friend uh, well, okay he sat next to me when we were chambering we were both pupils together and he was like my arch nemesis lah like we just like we had this love-hate relationship like we worked together a lot because our working styles are similar but we just used to kuto each other all the mm. time it was really like a you know I called him white cockroach you know and he called me black cockroach it was a whole thing right <laughs> and um, it was so funny the other day I went out drinking I mean before the MCU I went out drinking with some friends and um we were talking about something. Then I, I was telling that they were asking me how the podcast. I was like, they were, and then they asked me, this is a normal question. Uh, how much are you earning from the podcast? I'm like, I'm losing. <laughs> I'm losing. People ask that. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. asked me, you know. Damn, I don't know. Maybe it's because lawyers lah. They, they, they must <laughs> money, think. Money, bottom line. They must think I'm earning something from yeah, this. But yeah. I'm, no, I'm losing money from this. I'm not earning anything. <laughs> then. Uh, and you got 250 bucks. Exactly. And that's what he said. He's like, no, you got 250 bucks. I was like, You've been listening to the podcast. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I listened to every episode." Oh, and he, you know what? That means he listened to the whole thing because that's yeah, that right yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I was so touched. I was like, "You really listened to it?" Like, yeah, I listened to it. I asked him like, "What do you think about it?" Then he gave me like feedback. He said he liked the different, uh, how it there was a different person and guest at every episode. So he liked the randomness of it because it's sort of um, you get to like jump in different people's mm-hmm. lives. So he liked that part of it, and I was really really touched because this is not like. Uh, this is like my arch enemy, my real arch enemy, and he listened to the podcast. So shout out to Sean. Thank you so much for listening, man. Thank you to Abigail for also listening. Thank you everybody for listening. I'm still surprised you guys are listening, and I really appreciate all of you. Uh, Isa also appreciates all of you. Uh, we hope that you're staying safe, staying healthy, staying good. We are that. <laughs>